This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Israel says it's discovered what it calls the biggest Hamas tunnel in Gaza. The IDF has released footage of the four-kilometer tunnel near the Erez border crossing in the northern end of the Strip. The Israeli military says it goes to a depth of 50 meters, is equipped with electricity and ventilation, and is wide enough for cars to pass through. The claims have not been verified, but Israeli military officials say the destruction of the vast Hamas tunnel network is one of the main aims of its offensive following the deadly attack in southern Israel on October the 7th. This is no ordinary tunnel. It's a city, an underground city of terror that Hamas dug and built instead of investing money in the residents of Gaza. The tunnel that was uncovered was used, among other things, to carry out offensive activities against our forces in the Gaza Strip. A few days ago, terrorists were also identified in the tunnel and were eliminated by the Israeli Defense Forces. Israel continues to pound Gaza with airstrikes. Hamas says no more hostages will be released until the war ends. We have two choices. Continue the death spiral or use October 7th as a catalyst for change. I think this, the Arabs are going to demand some form of two-state solution to recognize Israel. I think Israel's going to demand security buffers different than before, and they need to make those demands. I don't know how this ends, but I'll tell you this. If we don't get this right this time, we're talking about another generation of just tit-for-tat death. An SUV guarding President Joe Biden's motorcade was seriously damaged after a car plowed into it. The crash occurred just outside the president's campaign headquarters in Wilmington, Delaware. President Biden was walking from his office to his waiting armored SUV when a sedan hit a Secret Service vehicle that was blocking off the intersection for the president's departure. The sedan then tried to continue into a closed-off intersection before members of the Secret Service surrounded that vehicle with their weapons drawn. The driver behind the wheel put his hands up. President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden were not harmed. Wilmington police say they are investigating whether that driver was impaired. Nobody was injured. The Biden administration is running on the fumes of the great success of the Trump administration. They're just running on the fumes of what we did with the tax cuts and the regulation cuts. Without us, this thing would have crashed to levels never seen before. And if we're not elected, we will have a depression, the likes of which you haven't seen since the Depression of 1929. We're not talking about a recession. You're going to have a lot worse than that. The way they're wasting trillions of dollars on Green New Deal nonsense and giving it away to other countries. Crooked Joe Biden's failed presidency has already cost your family tens of thousands of dollars a year. And now he's running on the biggest and most punishing tax hike in American history. You know that. He's going to quadruple your taxes. Who is in the building?
Rain, yep, Madonna singing Rain for you early on this uh, Monday morning, 6.09, and well, there's a reason for that. It's raining outside, and it's uh, raining hard. Heavy rain and high winds and coastal flooding, so while that open concentrated on the largest Hamas tunnel found yet, that, I guess, car accident just a few feet away from Joe and Jill Biden, Donald Trump speaking in New Hampshire, and President Trump showing up at UFC 296 in Vegas on Saturday night. The problem right now for us is the rain. So if you're about to uh, head out to work or school this morning, you're going to see it. Now, I was uh, really nervous when I got picked up at about 4.15 by Gene because I've done this before. Belt Parkway usually is a river. You know, the Verrazano Bridge was closed when I uh, was on the way to work this morning, thank God there was no issue with the Brooklyn Bridge or the FDR. And to be honest, the Bell Parkway wasn't even as bad as I thought it was going to be. But it is rough out there. Plenty of power outages across all the boroughs. So let's get the latest on just how your morning commute may be affected. Heading out once again just after 6 on this rainy Monday morning from Noam Layden. Noam, I did see Con Edison put out some numbers moments ago and every borough right now experiencing some power outages. What's the latest? Yeah, so in Queens, they're getting hit the hardest. There's a lot of outages across Queens. Same for Long Island, and then same in the Hudson Valley. We're seeing uh, this according to Con Ed, that there's a fair amount of outages as well. There, uh, It's probably now uh, over a 1,000. Uh, PSE&G, uh, which is big out on Long Island, has a ton of outages um, from uh, Farmingdale all the way out to the Hampt- uh, Hampton Bays. We're seeing, and this is probably down trees and power lines all from that storm overnight. And you were talking about, uh, Sid, the Verrazano still closed in both directions um, to the high winds, due to the high winds. That is, a, is the whole bridge closed or just the upper part? No, the, the whole bridge. bridge. The whole the bridge. bridge. Yes. Oh, Lou, you, you experienced the same thing this yes, morning. I heard Joe say it a couple times. Okay, so. the whole bridge. The high winds, of course, and that's the main reason for that, not even the rain. For the uh, for the Verrazano Bridge now is this rain and, and the winds supposed to let up sometime or later this morning or this afternoon or is this going to be an ongoing hassle all day? No, this is going to last through the morning and then uh, it clears out and then we get back to more December like temperatures. The, the like right now it's sixty by the end of the day it's going to be in the mid thirties. Yeah, so. it's warm this morning. I got into the cab and I kept trying to open the window because I was warm, wearing a sweatshirt and a jacket and. Every time I opened the window, I took uh, like a lot of water in the face. Yeah, <laughs> I got a, like a bukkake on the way to work this morning. You know what that is, Lou, don't you? So, uh, <laughs> uh, I can take a guess. <laughs> kind of early for that one, I guess, yeah, right? No, 612, already no. talking bukkake, but uh, that's what it was. So I had to shut the window a bunch of times, but I was warm. So it is, is actually 60 degrees right now? 60? It is. It is. And by the way, I just got, PSANG just got back to me, 6,500 outages just for them. Jeez. But that's out of a million customers. So if you think of it that way, it's not a huge It's not number. much, yeah, yeah. Is this a nor'easter or not? It, it, is it fall short of that? I don't even know what uh, what would uh, what it requires, what the criteria is to be that. But I think this may fall just short. Do you yeah. know? This is the one that started in the Gulf of Mexico and then moved up, um, you know, our direction. So other areas got pounded a lot harder. The ten inches of rain in Charleston, South Carolina, 
And so that's we're getting the remnants of that. And it looks like it delivered on the promise. So they said anywhere from two to four inches. You probably heard it pounding against your window last night. I mean, we in the end, it'll nothing. be in that range. You didn't? I heard nothing. Oh, I, you, I, I heard nothing. I heard nothing. so loud last night. Oh, my God. Nothing. You live in Rockaway. I know. I heard nothing. Wow. Um, got up uh, for work at exactly 3.08 and then... I've got an issue downstairs again. Here we go again. Every December. <laughs> oh, you're kidding. Swear to God. Oh, God. So I, I was, um, I made Jean sit outside for like 15 minutes while I put towels down in one section of my kitchen. There's only one section, not like it was a year ago when the whole house was, uh, was underwater. This is just one section. But I have to tell you, after moving out for six months and spending all that money, that it's uh, disheartening to come down this morning, and actually, then I started to hear coming down the stairs raindrops. And the problem with that was it was inside the house. So that was how my morning was spent. I haven't heard from Danielle yet. She hasn't gotten up yet, and we kept Gabe home from school today. So uh, I'm waiting for that text. Oh, my God, here we go. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. So you're going to notice at some point this morning that my mood is going to change just a little. And you'll have to deal with it, that's all. Well, where are you going to live next? <laughs> yeah. Actually, where are they going to move you It's to only one little <laughs> section in my kitchen, which actually separates my living room from my dining room. But it's enough to make you nauseous. And I'm sick of seeing water in my house. Yeah, it's not supposed to be there. No, it's not. It's not, it's not a cheap house. And we just spent hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yes, some insurance money, but some of our money, too. And it's very disheartening. It's every December. Ava's supposed to come home tomorrow. She was home last year. Same thing. So I can't help but think Ava has something to do with this. Yeah, good. She's in England. Well, as long as she brings a mop, everything will be fine. Yeah, we have to tell her that. Get ready when you come home tomorrow night. Ain't going to be all fun and games, Ava, sweetheart. England looks good now. Yeah. I know we got the uh, the Nets and Knicks on Wednesday night, and uh, Lou and I have this huge Stephen Van Zandt night on Thursday night. They're going to honor me, Bo Dito's Christmas party before that. We're going to have uh, a little Christmas Eve dinner Sunday at Peter Luger. Saturday night, me and Gabe are going to see the Rangers and the Sabres. Thanks to Joe Tacopina, Monday afternoon. Gabe and I are going to see the Bucks and the Knicks Christmas Day, Madison Square Garden. Danielle and Ava heading out to see that Neil Diamond play. So a lot of really good stuff about to come our way. But first, I got to deal with this today, and it's going to be hard. I know it already. So just get ready, boys. You ready? Um, <laughs> you you don't right. seem ready, either one of you. I'm not sure, actually. Yeah, we don't have a choice, I don't No, you don't have a choice. Yeah, so, so, you know, it wasn't that long ago that uh, I was in this little battle with Mark Levin, the great one. You guys remember that. And then right after October the 7th, it was a week later, it was Sunday, October the 15th, eight days after what happened in Israel. Unprovoked, I reached out to Mark Levin. I was—I shouldn't say unprovoked. I was watching Fox News. And on Sunday mornings, they've got Pete Hegseth and this girl, uh, Rachel Campos, who's pretty. But she sounded so stupid when they were interviewing Levin that day, eight days after the original attacks. And Levin just took her to pieces. And I thought, explained the Iran situation the whole Middle East, exactly why Israel should do exactly what they're doing now, which is don't pay attention to Joe Biden and the rest of these assholes and just wipe these mother effers out. So I texted Levin. I shouldn't say I texted Levin. That's not true. I emailed Richard Cementa, who I guess is Mr. Producer. Right. And I said, hey, man, 
Levin's been talking about me. I've been talking about him. But eight days after these attacks, the big Jewish voices in this country, Mark Levin, Sid Rosenberg, Ben Shapiro, we need to be together. We need to be one. So do you think that Levin would be up to having a discussion this afternoon? And about five minutes later, I got an email back from Richard with Levin's cell phone number saying, call him at three. And I did. And we had this great conversation, and Levin said, you're a big man. He goes, I should have done this. You did it. I'm glad you did. I respect you. You're a great talent, great show, and blah, blah, blah. And now he's been on the show two or three times since. The great one. So now he sends me texts all the time. (laughs) But most of his texts are his tweets, which are absolute genius. So yesterday morning, right before football, before the Giants, the DeVito thing, that's over, and the Jets, Aaron Rodgers, that's got to be over, before they both took it on the chin, they lost by a combined score yesterday of 54-6 to between the Dolphins and the Saints. Well, I get this from Levin. What's good for the goose? Netanyahu should visit Biden in D.C. and publicly lecture him about our dangerous borders and all the civilian deaths urge a return of the West and Southwest to Mexico, condemn his failed defense and foreign policies, which is destabilizing the world, criticize him for the most radical administration in our history, which needs to be replaced starting with him, criticize him for spending billions to terrorists resulting in the slaughter of Israelis, and explain the world is turning against America. And what that is 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 something that we predicted a long time ago, which is eventually not the world. We knew the world. That was easy. But even America, led by Joe Biden, who, whose hero, whose God is Barack Obama. See, Obama doesn't like Biden. He thinks he's a moron. But Biden thinks Obama is the greatest ever. And Obama hates the Jews. He hates us. So between Biden, Blinken, Sullivan, Lloyd Austin, none of these people love the Jews, and they're all inept. And it was just a matter of time before they turned their backs on the Israelis. And here we go again. Just a couple of days ago, Biden talked about indiscriminate bombing, two-state solutions. There ain't going to be no two-state solution, Biden. We tried that for decades and decades. And what we get? Six wars, two intifadas, dead Israelis in a Sparrow's pizza shop on a bus. And what happened October the 7th? We have tried. These people don't care. They teach their children at a very young age to hate and kill the Jews. There is no two-state solution. He ain't going to do it, Bibi, and he shouldn't. Wipe these people off the face of the earth. That's the only answer. That's it. Then Lindsey Graham, a Republican, a warmonger, he goes on Meet the Press with this idiot, Kirsten Welker, who hates Trump, hates Republicans, also couldn't care less about Israel, and he's talking about a two-state solution. Lindsey Graham. So that inspired Levin to text me again (laughs) and write this tweet. Lindsey, you lie to my face. Enough with your unprincipled games. You slobbered all over Qatar last week. Today you go on Meet the Press and tell Israel either they accept a two-state solution, which is about as stupid as it gets, or they face a death spiral. You're way out of your lane. You're doing Biden's bidding. Qatar's bidding while pretending to be defending Israel. The terrorists don't want two states. 
They are ideologically committed to a caliphate. They want the annihilation of Israel and its Jewish population. Are you really this obtuse? How many times do they have to explicitly say this? How many times do they attack Israel before you get this through your head? And who elected you, Biden and the rest, to tell a sovereign state what they must do for their own boundaries and against their will? And you go on meet the press to announce your views, which are nothing more than the propaganda we get from the Biden White House and your friends in Qatar and elsewhere? Why don't you tell your buddies in Qatar to stop funding Hamas and stop protecting their billionaire leaders? I can go on and on, says Levin, but I'll save it until I return to radio in early January. Shame on you, Lindsay. A two-state solution is a final solution for Israel. Somebody get me a cigarette. Using the word obtuse. He's a very smart man, Mark Levin. Well, I've kind of heard that, yes. But But he's right on the money. And then he goes on to tweet, what kind of country takes their intelligence from people like Biden, Blinken, and Sullivan? This is a freak show. Yeah. So there you have it, folks. The world is turned against Israel. The American government doesn't care about Israel. They're talking about a two-state solution. And I'm going to say it again, as I've said a million times. If you are for a two-state solution... You are anti-Israel. It can't be both. We've tried it for decades, decades, 40s, 60s, war after war after war, bomb after bomb after bomb. These animals don't care. There will be no two-state solution. Everyone is going to die. Get over it. Get over it. You know, somebody said to me uh, yesterday, they go, well, wait a second. Where are these people supposed to go? What do I care? Why is that Israel's responsibility? You remember when Israel gave these people the opportunity to evacuate, which I thought was above and beyond nice? You remember that, Noam? Did Egypt want them? No. Did Jordan want them? No. None of their Arab neighbors wanted these people. None of them. But yet, Israel needs to babysit these people till they attack them again? Why is that Israel's responsibility? They won the land. They won the war. And they still, the Israelis because they're good people, gave these people land, electricity, job opportunities. Egypt didn't want them. Jordan didn't want them. Why does Israel have to take them? Why, Noam? I don't have an answer to that. There is no answer. It's bull. It's bull. Because at the end of the day, these people are taught to be terrorists, taught to hate and taught to kill, and nobody wants them. And we tried. Decade after decade after decade. But it gets to the point when you keep raping our daughters in the streets and cutting our babies' heads off, it's got to stop. It's got to stop. And for Biden to tell Netanyahu, well, what if if that happened here in the United States? You think Biden would take his marching orders from somebody else? I'm just curious. You think he would? Oh, because we're giving them money? (laughs) Please. It is grotesque. What's going on with this administration and Israel? Yes, I know it was predictable, but now that it's here, it's not okay. All right, big show coming your way today, the last week, 2023. This is a great song, Lewis. Sitting friends in the morning, Curtis Sliwa, Brian Kilme, Siggy Flicker, Jacqueline Toboroff, and yes, the final week of 2023, we get Bill O'Reilly twice, 840 Thursday and 840 
this morning. Going to be a great show, folks. Keep it right here. Sitting friends in the morning on a Monday. Sitting friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Looks like we got a birthday today, Satisfaction, the great hit by the Rolling Stones. And we got a Rolling Stones, Audio Idola's favorite band. You got a Rolling Stones birthday today, one of the all-time greats, and really a miracle when you consider the amount of drinking and drugs this guy's done, that he's still alive, and, and, and they're making new albums, him and Jagger. And it's crazy. Crazy. He was just yeah. in uh, Jim Kerr's studios, just... A couple of weeks ago, I was in the PR, and Carr had Jagger and this guy live in studio that day. A big happy birthday from Lou and Sid to the great Keith Richards. How old is Keith Richards today, Lou? He's 80. Is he 80? He's 80. He's looked 80 for like 30 years. <laughs> really? But now he's actually, now he looks his age. So He and Mick Jagger are both 80. They're both 80 years old. Yeah, they both Unbelievable. turned this year. And they're both still out there performing live, dancing. And Charlie Watts died at 80. Right, Charlie did die, yeah. Like, I, I'm 56. I got to tell you, I spent more time complaining this weekend about uh, my ailments, which don't even really exist, but I'm becoming that old, annoying Jew, that Richard Lewis. You know that guy? The, yeah. Everything bothers me. I got a pain. I got an itch. I got this. I got that. Can help you with this? Help me with this. Help me with this. We're getting in and out of the car. Help and then me, I get I... mad. Like if I got to take the, you know, the uh, Danielle takes stuff to the laundry. I got to take the laundry bags upstairs. I get mad. In the meantime, I go to the gym. I lift like 20,000 pounds every day. Every day. But then I complain about that. I get home. I'm like, oh, this is sore. That's sore. And she's like, I don't want to hear it. 
And then you got Keith Richards and, and Mick Jagger, 80 years old, still out there performing. But I don't care. Because no. <laughs> I feel the way I feel. I told, I, I told Danielle, I said, this is 56 has been the worst age. <laughs> I got a brother-in-law's name is Albert, who um, I love dearly. In fact, if you have a brother, you couldn't be closer. Albert and Ray Sherry, my sister and brother-in-law, are like, I'm so close to them. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. Albert actually had a heart attack last week, but he's fine, thank God. He's got all kinds of physical ailments, but he would tell me over the years, when you hit 40, this is going to happen. When you hit 50, this is going to happen. So poor Albert turned 70 this year, and he's had pneumonia twice, and he had a heart attack. Oof, yuck. But he told me in my 50s, you're going to start to feel everything. And I'm like, oh, yeah? 53, 54, I'm still benching weight. I'm looking great. I'm feeling great. Albert's right. This has been the worst year. Now, I had shingles years ago. I had COVID. But I mean just on a regular daily basis, 56 sucks. So I can't even imagine what 80 is going to be like. If you, you might not want to get there. I may not. <laughs> I mean, it's just brutal. God. I'm cold. I'm hot. I'm cold. I'm hot. It's just terrible. So It'll, it'll get worse. Don't worry. But then what's the alternative? You die, and then that's no good either. So, Well, it depends on where you're at. What, what, if you, you know what I think it is? I, I think I need to move back to Florida. And I, and I say that kind of joking, kind of not. I love this place, WABC. I love this job. Being number one in New York is like having the biggest dick in the room. It doesn't get better than that. But I think I'm tired of the, the, the dirt, the filth, the Democrats, the lousy weather. I got all these friends that come on the show all the time. We got two people calling in from Miami today. Siggy Flicker, she lives in Boca, and Jacqueline Tomaroff, who lives in the city, but vacationing in Miami. By the way, Rich Lowry is vacationing in Miami, too, but he called in sick today. I don't get it. He can't come on the air, but Tomaroff and Siggy Flicker can. He was at the Dolphin Jet game yesterday, sending me pictures. Well, he's not sick. No, I know, but he's yeah. called out. Yes, yeah. called out. Yeah. yeah. And all these people are on the, they're still going to the beach and the weather is great and they're wearing shorts and t-shirts and I think New York is just beating the hell out of me. It's not, it doesn't help. <laughs> I couldn't wait to get back. It's the old, uh, be careful what you wish for, you know? I've been back now, um, believe it or not, it'll be eight years. January, January 26th will be eight years since I made my return during middays with Bernie. Then of course, Replacing Imus, doing mornings with Bernie, God rest his soul, and then taking this show to brand new levels the last couple of years with Lou. Eight years. That's a long time. I've never lasted more than four or five years at any radio job in my 25-year career. So there is something to be said about the run here and the consistency and what we've accomplished, but I'm starting to hate New York. I just do. I don't hate the mayor. I mean, I think Eric Adams is a nice guy, but he's done a terrible job. I do hate the governor. I hate um, just about every congressman outside of Long Island. Thank God we won all those seats. And, of course, Molinaro and Lawler. This is a terrible place. You know, the, the football team sucked, too. That doesn't help. Get up on a Sunday morning, a Tommy DeVito, Tommy DeVito. I got Beningo telling me on the air last week, Zach Wilson has talent. Yeah. <laughs> and the Jets and Giants lose by a combined score of 54-6 to to the Saints and the Dolphins, not even the Chiefs and the Eagles. They came ready to play. Well, it's just terrible. 
They do what say, though. What a disgrace. They do say that living by the ocean, no. Really does increase your mental uh, acuity. Well, no, it doesn't. Yes, it does. Living by the ocean makes you smarter? Yes. You're an idiot. More clear. You should head. move to the ocean then. Yeah, I should. No, it right. doesn't do any of that stuff. Oh, it just—it's—it's it's a healthier lifestyle. Right. Which in except turn... this time of year when the wind and the rain comes off the ocean, and my roof comes off this morning. It's during right. the winter. Yeah. It's nasty. During the winter, it ain't no fun. Trust me. Right. Took out the garbage. I mean, my garbage pails every day come home. They're like three blocks away. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. The wind. Three blocks away. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a oh, it's a time and a half. I'll tell you. Anyway, I don't want to complain because you guys don't care, but... Oh, you don't want to complain. No. I'm not the type to complain, but... Right, right, right. I mean, Keith Richards is 80 years old today. He doesn't live in New York City. He probably lives in one of the, like, the Bahamas or something. Yeah. Or he's got a mansion in Hertfordshire. Uh, yeah, something like probably. that. Exactly. Four places. Yeah. <laughs> Traffic with Joe Nolan is coming up next. That's annoying, too. It doesn't get any better, I'll tell you right, right now. It's, uh, just right, take some uh, oxygen and uh, you'll be fine. Right now, it's time for the 77 WABC clip of the day. Listen to the Cats Roundtable, my man John Katz-Matidis. That's a great show. That's where common sense always prevails, always tells both sides of the story. It's every Sunday morning starting at 8. or listen any time on the 77 WABC app. Let's go to the second one here, uh, Lewis. Here John talks with former governor of New Jersey, Jim McGreevy, who, of course, now is running for mayor of Jersey City. We would hope everybody has common sense like that, but right now, with uh, in New York City, with the migrant crisis and the people exiting New York, uh, they have a budget problem that nobody really wants to acknowledge. Acknowledge. I mean, John. I mean, for a system of government to work, people have to do what is responsible. And for me, the level of government on a mayor is making sure the garbage is picked up making sure the street is clean, making sure kids have a good quality education, making sure that government doesn't spend money it doesn't have. And I want to be that mayor for Jersey City that, you know, keeps that prosperity. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by P. Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers. Starting on the gridiron with Week 15 NFL football action from yesterday in Enola. The Saints largely stifled and battered quarterback Tommy DeVito in a 24-6 victory over the New York Giants. In Miami, the Jets got dominated and shut out by the Dolphins. Final score there, 30 to nothing. Zach Wilson leaves with a concussion. Week 15 action rounds out tonight with the Philadelphia Eagles in Seattle to meet the Seahawks on Monday Night Football. Kickoff in Seattle is set for 8.15 p.m. And the Eagles head in as three-point favorites. Over to the ice in Newark where the Devils got manhandled by the Anaheim Ducks, losing by a score of 5-1. to one. Mike McLeod scored the lone goal for New Jersey, who before the loss had won two straight and five of six. In the NBA, no local action from yesterday, but the Knicks and Nets will both be back out there tonight. The Knicks will be in L.A. for a 10.30 p.m. tip-off with the Lakers, and the Nets will get going a bit earlier at 9 p.m. against the Jazz in Utah. That's sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PaleanTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. When you look over 
great Jackson Brown. You love the thunder. You love the rain. Well, if you love it, you're going to love this Monday morning because we got all kinds of nasty stuff going on out there right now. Heavy rains, heavy winds, coastal flooding. Not ideal for your morning commute, but we got here, so you'll find a way to get it done. New week. Big week for us. This is the last week of sitting friends in the morning for 2023. We will do uh, five days of shows this week, including today. And then when we say peace at about 10 o'clock on Friday morning, we will talk to you again January 2nd of 2024. So yesterday morning, as I was getting these texts from Mark Levin, you know, Sunday morning's hard for me. I get up early, Danielle and I do, and she works out, and I kind of do my thing around the house, and and I like to watch television. We have a cup of coffee together. It's it's always a, a nice morning. But then I'm like, I, I can't figure out what to watch. You know, these uh, football pregame shows are awful. Now, I love Bill Sims. He's a dear, dear friend of mine, dear friend. So I put him on, him and Boomer. You know, Boomer and Geo, they had a live show at the Paramount Theater on Saturday night, which is what me and Bill O'Reilly did a couple of months ago. So I put those guys on because I just like them personally, you know, but the show's terrible. And then it'll come on until noon. So before them, you have that ridiculous show on uh, the NFL Network, Rich Eisen, Michael Irvin, Kurt Warner, complete swill. I wouldn't even put on ESPN, that Rex Ryan show. That's terrible. So then I'm forced to go to these news shows. And I sit there and I just make myself angry whether it's Margaret Brennan on Face the Nation. The one who really pisses me off lately is Kirsten Welker. If you thought Chuck Todd was bad on Meet the Press, he's not as bad as Kirsten Welker. She's brutal. And then you get George Stephanopoulos, who was out yesterday on ABC. You can go to Bream on Fox. That's your only bet, though. That's it. Otherwise, you're inundated with liberal Democrat coverage. So I watched Lindsey Graham on Meet the Press because I figured, okay, here's one of my guys. And Lindsey Graham turned out to be anything but because, again, if you're asking for a two-state solution, if you believe a two-state solution is the problem solver, you're my enemy. I'm making that very, very clear. Yes, I'm American first, but I'm Israel second. And if you're asking for a two-state solution, you're my enemy. So that's Lindsey Graham. He did it just yesterday. Meet the press, courtesy of NBC Lewis, cut number two. We have two choices. Continue the death spiral or use October 7th as a catalyst for change. I think this, the Arabs are going to demand some form of two-state solution to recognize Israel. I think Israel's going to demand security buffers different than before, and they need to make those demands. I don't know how this ends, but I'll tell you this. If we don't get this right this time, we're talking about another generation of just tit-for-tat death. You're right. So we're going to kill them all because we're not going to deal with this anymore. You're 100% right. If we don't get it right this time and wipe these people off the face of the earth, that includes innocent Palestinians, I hate to tell you, then Israel and the Jews will continue to lose as they've been doing for the better part of 70 years. Then you get this Democrat. This guy is such a lowlife, Chris Coons. Is he from Pennsylvania? What state, Norm, is Chris Coons from? He's Delaware. Delaware, that's right. So he goes on Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan, and he's all over Netanyahu. I mean, all over him. 
Like Netanyahu is supposed to be Biden's puppet, you know. Like Netanyahu, fine, do what you got to do, but. That's what America does. Fine, do what you got to do, but. Well, there are no buts. Chris Coons goes after Netanyahu yesterday on Face the Nation. Lou, this is cut number one. Sounded like this. Prime Minister Netanyahu has been an exceptionally difficult partner. Uh, and I think President Biden did the right thing right after the shattering, the horrific attack by Hamas to go to Israel, to stand strong with Israel, and frankly, to send a firm message to Iran to stay out of this conflict. He deployed two aircraft carrier battle groups to the region so that Israel could focus on its self-defense against Hamas and not face an open attack from Hezbollah on the north or Houthis Mm. on the south uh, or Iranian forces uh, up on the Golan Heights. What has been a real challenge is the big gap between most of us in Congress and the president who believe a two-state solution is the only way forward. No, thanks. And Prime Minister Netanyahu, who has done everything he can Good. to undermine Good. a positive vision for peace for sure. Israel. Right, you moron. He's talking about what a great job the United States is doing with Iran. We built Iran to the power they are now. This administration, two of the last three, of which President Joe Biden has been a part of. He went on to say at the end of this, thank God. We've got a leader. I swear to God, thank God, he says. We're going to have the cut here. We've got a leader like Joe Biden. <laughs> Wait a second, putz face. Joe Biden caused all these problems. Oh, my God. I don't understand how they don't see this. Well, they do see it. Four years of Donald Trump, no wars in Israel, no wars in, 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 in Ukraine. Thank God. <laughs> so he's going on and on. Thank God we've got Joe Biden. At this time, when the truth is, if you can take your biased, agenda-driven head out of your own smelly ass, Joe Biden caused all this. Tard. He caused it. And now, Biden is playing right into the hands of Hamas. If you don't believe me, listen to former Donald Trump attorney David Shane, cut number four. You see our cities are overwhelmed. Uh, you see the mayhem and the anarchy, violations of our immigration laws by the current administration. And yet Joe Biden is talking about citizens in Gaza. He doesn't talk about citizens of America and how they're being treated based on his policies. He doesn't talk about the citizens in Iran while we have waived sanctions on Iran so they can put down their citizens and kill them and rape them and torture them. He doesn't talk about the citizens in Syria, the citizens in Saudi Arabia, the citizens in Yemen, the citizens in Ukraine. Why do you think he's so myopic about the Gaza Strip when we know for a fact that the Israelis are not trying to kill citizens? Not only not trying to kill citizens, even John Kirby has acknowledged, National Security Council spokesperson, that the Israeli army acts in the most uh, protective way of civilian casualties of any military in the world. Richard Kemp has said it from England. But I hope that President Biden was listening carefully today when the so-called political head of Hamas said, we must engage in violent acts, attacks against the United States and Britain to force their hand to push for the ceasefire. They play into Hamas's hands. This is part of their playbook from the start. Attack with atrocities, rape, torture, murder, mutilation, and then push for a ceasefire and blame the civilians whose lives, blame civilian deaths whose lives they don't care about. There you have it, David Shane. By the way, that was courtesy of the great one, Mark Levin, 
on his show, Life, Liberty, and Levin, on Fox News. That wraps up what I think was a very, very hot hour number one and brings us to three great hours with an amazing guest coming up on this Monday morning program. Curtis Sliwa, Brian Kilmeade, Siggy Flicker, Alex Trayman, Jacqueline Toboroff, and Bill O'Reilly all stopping by in the next three hours. Last week of 2023, folks, I recommend you don't miss a minute. Hour number two of the Monday edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning. About to come your way on a rainy Monday morning. birthday keith richards 80 years old today keith richards and the rolling stone 710 rain pounding here in new york city winds hurling coastal flooding issues everywhere if you're going out this morning please be safe i recommend you stay home i have no idea how i'm getting home today because the ferry's been shut down hopefully that'll um open by sometime this afternoon, but right now I literally have no way back unless I spend a fortune on Uber and I'm sick and tired of spending money to get to work. So I'm just going to stay by Curtis's house, me and the cats. Anyway, Curtis does a tremendous job every weekday, noon to one, on the Rip and Read. Overnight weekends, he hosts that, and he contends he gets better ratings than Murano during the week, and then he does a tremendous job. I mean, I can you know, Saturday night, for example, I, we took Gabriel out for his birthday for dinner. His birthday was all the way back on November the 24th, but was so busy. We finally had some time Saturday, and he took a bunch of his little friends, you know, Oliver and um, 
who else? Uh, uh, Willie and uh, Kevin, me and Danielle. So we go to La Sorrentina. We love that place. Right in our neighborhood, Lewis. You know the place well. Great place. Great place. And we love John Mazzola. He's a great guy. And his son, Joe, is an even better guy. And uh, John opened up Sneaker Gallery across the street. So now on 129, he's got an Italian restaurant and a sneaker store. But wherever I go now, people ask to take pictures. And even Saturday night, making Danielle and Gabe both laugh. You know, they love me. I want to take a picture with Sid. And almost every time somebody says to me, I swear to God, where's Curtis? I go, you understand that Curtis has a wife. He's married. He lives in the city. He has his own life. Just because Curtis is on my radio show every morning doesn't mean that I'm with Curtis 24-7. But for some reason, Kurt, people out there seem to think that you and I are attached. To th- Do you get that when you're in the city? Where's Sid? Where's uh, Sid and Curtis? Oh, of course. Of course. And uh, all you had to do is tell them, A-Train, Beach uh, 116 Street. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Check that or any kind of migrant uh, <laughs> occupied tent area. You'll find Curtis. But let me make oh, mention. Oh, by the way, talking about that, though, yes. the occupied tent area, yes. with all that you and I were willing about this summer, mostly you, and I guess Joanne Ariola to a certain extent when she went to D.C., but it's all you talking about Floyd Bennett Field. How that's basically a swamp. It's a flood waiting to happen. How do they get by in a morning like this? Well, it's interesting. Um, the Sullivans, the Sullivan brothers who are first in peace, first in war, they're already out. They're going to scope the area. Those tents can only withstand about 40-mile-per-hour winds because they're not even pegged into the ground. They're pegged into cinder blocks. So they're not even pegged into runway 19. And then they're built right by Jamaica Bay. That's a floodplain. I mean, let's face it. That place is probably you're going to have to take out your water skis and go up and down runway 19. So we'll get a report by the time I do the rip and read from 12 to 1. And then remember, you got Midland Beach in Staten Island where they took over the senior citizen home, kicked out all the veterans in order to make way for the illegal aliens, Eric Adams. And that was clobbered in Superstorm Sandy. This is no, a nor'easter going on out there. The devastation is going to be intense. And what about for you, Sid? It was about a year ago. A year ago. Gabe sat in this seat. I sat here. You said, Gabe, we're going back on the ferry to Rockaway. I said to you, no, you're not, Sid. You better go down Woodhaven Boulevard, stop at the Home Depot, and get some pumps. Your own son. Your own son, Gabe, said, Curtis is right. (laughs) You said, oh, we don't need that. All of a sudden, that weekend, your entire palazzo, your palace, imploded. The pipes went pop, 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 pop. And, and you were in exile, going from hotel to hotel, sharing it with illegal aliens for months on end in the months. city. Then I finally, uh, it's true, you're right about that. Two hotels or migrants there, and they gave us our own apartment in uh, Battery Park, which was nice. But I couldn't wait to get home. And wouldn't you know, of course, that uh, two weeks ago, we had a pretty good rain and uh, we had some water damage in my kitchen, the room that separates the living room from the dining room. And then this morning, when I was leaving the house at 4.30, I heard the rain. But as I said earlier, I heard the rain inside, which is an issue. So I had to make Gene wait for about 10 minutes as I laid out about 20 towels. Now, we've got a gorgeous home. I mean, gorgeous floors. Everything is done perfectly. We just spent hundreds of thousands of dollars between the insurance company and our money. 
And again, Daniela's not texted me yet, which means she's still sleeping. She's going to walk downstairs this morning, see about 25 towels on the floor between the living room and the dining room. I mean, soaking wet. And I left, don't forget, almost three hours ago. And the rain has continued to pound since I left. So it looks like, once again, the Rosenbergs have water damage in Bell Harbor. They haven't had that many towels since the longest-running musical on Broadway, Old Calcutta. (laughs) Remember, they used to have the advertisements with guys running around with towels on. Very good. Very good. But anyway, I do suggest that Wrong Way, Lou Ruffino, drive you home today. Down Woodhaven Boulevard, listen to me. Stop at that Home Depot, get some pumps. You're going to need some pumps. I don't care. Even when there's a little spritz in Breezy Point, the Rockaways Broad Channel, Hamilton Beach, Howard Beach, they're always underwater. Don't be a Weisenheimer. I'm the chosen people, a Jew. I know what to do. You know nothing. You I know would, nothing. You wouldn't know no what, to, what to, do to do with a pump. You wouldn't know what to do with a wrench, of course a not. bag of nails, and a hammer. Yesterday, as I was sitting there watching the Giants and the Saints and the Jets and the Dolphins, the oh beautiful... Oh, my God, what a masochist. You I are. know, I know. The beautiful Danielle was walking around the house fixing everything, and I sat there. That's it. I didn't by the way, move. By the way, did uh, your lovely wife, Danielle, make you chicken cutlets uh, during the giant game? Come on. She uh, actually, we did have chicken cutlet sandwiches for lunch, but then for dinner, now that you've asked, she made a uh, beautiful salad with blue cheese, and then she made a shrimp with risotto dinner. Last night during the late 4 o'clock games, it was all great. We had a great night, and then she's going to wake up this morning, and it's going to be all hell. The phone hasn't buzzed yet from Danielle. When it does, everything changes. Well, let me tell you one thing. Uh, I had an opportunity to see your friend on TV over the weekend. Who was this? Eric Adams. Oh, my friend Eric, yes. Swagger man with no plan. Mayor of the illegal aliens. And the guy really thinks you're all stupid, right? He says... The the Democrats underestimated the migrant impact. No, idiot, you did. Not the Democrats. You, Eric Adams. No, but all the Democrats did. I mean, it took Republicans like me and others to explain how in a million years, with a wide-open border, just so you know, 79% of Americans... 79%, that includes both Democrats and Republicans, feel the border now is the biggest issue, and it's a major issue. So if the border is wide open, Eric Adams and all these Democrats, how would you not be able to predict that this is going to happen a year later? How about the mayor saying, I blew it. I'm sorry I messed up. I got to help. I I messed up. I got to fess up. I got to help patch it up. That's number one. Then he had the culions, the web, the webos, the hubris to say, if I was president, I would know how to handle this migrant crisis. You messed up as mayor, and now you want to be president? That's the Peter principle. You know, I mess up in one job, kick me upstairs, and I'll do a better job. This guy, and then to compound all of that, he's moaning and groaning to Marsha Kramer. He's saying there are thousands of scooters in Midtown. This is really dangerous. They're unlicensed. They're stolen. They're being used in crimes. You better tell your friend Arthur Idell who said, what scooters? I'm right by the Roosevelt Hotel. I don't see any scooters, which made Chris Mullins' niece or... No, his sister-in-law. Sister go absolutely <laughs> nuts. nuts. Uh, you should never have that Arthur <laughs> Idell on again. He's such a, a butt kisser. No, no, and he's my friend. An Stop apology. No. Come 
on. No, no. Ooh, I don't see any school. Well, that was Again, this is the mayor on his part. Well, yes. This is the mayor. Oh, <laughs> thousands of scooters in Midtown. This is really dangerous. They're unlicensed. They're stolen. They're used for crimes. Do something about it. But what would you do about it? When Take I'm... all of them. Take the so, scooters. So, so when you win and you are going to win and you become the next mayor, you're going to be, you're making this promise now like Trump makes. You're going to be able to remove all these scooters from New York. How difficult is that? Here it is, 3 o'clock in the morning. They're having a siesta in the Roosevelt Hotel at our expense. You bring the trucks. The cops come in. They put the scooters on the truck. And the next thing, they take it to the old Fresh Kill landfill in Staten Island. And they smash him the smithereens. You see, that's what I do. By the time the sun would come up, hey, you want to see your scooters? Look at them right there. I love that. And that's a very practical way of dealing with it. And you would do that. But here becomes the issue. If you do do that, and I'm a fan of that, then how will the migrants get around? Oh, wait a second. You're going to get rid of the migrants, too, aren't you, Kurt? Well, let's just say some of them you'll never be able to get rid of, right? The old-timers who are 65-plus, you'll never be able to round them up. The women and children, nobody's going to go for that. But the single, able-bodied young men of military age, illegal aliens with nothing to do and nowhere to go, who, if they're driving unlicensed, stolen Vespas and motorbikes and using them in crimes, they got to go. Hey, guess what? Enjoy your vacation here in New York City. We're shipping you back south of the border or to your country of origin. So how do you say all of a sudden the Democrats underestimated the migrant impact? Okay, what's your answer? What you going to do? Oh, we're just going to have to keep cutting services. He keeps saying, we got to cut services. <laughs> really? So we're going to deny New Yorkers who pay their taxes. We're going to deny veterans who served in war and peace to take care of illegal aliens. You're the schmuck. You're the putz. You messed up. You fess up. How about resigning? How about doing what they do in Japan? When they take out the Ginzu knife <laughs> and they do Harry Carey. <laughs> Right? Because they've embarrassed themselves, their family, and everyone else. These politicians have no shame. Look at Andrew Evil Ice Cuomo. He came on at Good Day New York with Rosanna Scotto, and he's now saying, oh, congestion pricing is no good. Congestion pricing is no good. But didn't he champion congestion pricing at the very beginning? He's the one who passed it. (laughs) He's the one who forced it through. And now all of a sudden, oh, this won't be good for the city. And Rosanna Scotto said, Hey, aren't you the one who passed yeah. that legislation? Yeah. Well, that was then, uh, and this is now. He's doing the same thing with bail reform. I mean, this guy is such a phony. And let me just say this. Uh, last week, I almost, I almost allowed you, Curtis, and others to convince me to bring this shyster on. But I spent the weekend really thinking about it. And over my dead body. Will Andrew Cuomo ever be on this show? I don't care if he's mayor. I don't care if he beats Gillibrand. I don't care if he's president. That mother effer is never coming on. I saw the Scotto interview. He's a liar. He's full of it. All his answers right now are to fix the problems that he caused. It's like Coons and Biden. For Coons to say, thank God we got Biden in office during these difficult times. Yes, these times are difficult, you moron, because Biden created them. It's the same exact thing with Cuomo and Adams right here in Let New York. Let me ask you a question. You were hit by that lightning bolt when you were sitting and watching that Mama Luke, Tommy DeVito get buried by the New oh. Orleans Saints while having your chicken cutlet sandwich, right? <laughs> yeah. Say, look at this Italian, right? He's no 
Italian stallion. He's a gelding. Oh, my God. They're smashing him into the truck. And remember, they were dancing around him, making the Tommy yeah, DeVito sign. Yeah. How embarrassing. The same guy that sacked him four times did that dance. But look. You know, last week, it's ironic, Curtis, that the offensive player of the week was the quarterback for the Jets, Zach Wilson. The NFC offensive player of the week was the quarterback for the Giants, Tommy DeVito. And the two of those guys got outscored 54-6 to yesterday. DeVito missed time with an injury. Tyrod Taylor came in. Zach was out of the game with a concussion. And they both showed you that, A, without a decent offensive line, they can't win. And, B, to be honest, By the way, neither one of these guys are. I heard, I heard a number of your guests last week uh, say, MVP. MVP, MVP. Uh, what is wrong with your guess when it comes to Tommy DeVito, who should go play in arena football no, and be begging no, no. groceries than at that. the Piggly Wiggly? He's three and two on a terrible football team. He's three and two. I'm not saying he's the answer, but come on, Sid. <laughs> Get a hold of yourself. I understand you still love Tommy. And then Tommy. the fish. I know you still the love The fish buried the Jets 30 nothing. Oh, the Jets are terrible. I don't hear about Zach Wilson either. He's terrible. They're terrible. But I know you still Look, long for the days of Charlie Connolly and Fran Tarkenton and Norm Sneed. Those were your days with the Giants. Oh, God. You're getting me excited. <laughs> yeah. Joe Pizarczyk or whatever the hell. Wrong way Pizarczyk, right? Oh, God. oh, my God. Well, that was the late 70s. That's yeah, that they, was some dog yeah. days. Yeah. Well, they had three bad quarterbacks then. They had Randy Dean, Jerry Goldstein, and Joe Pesantric until 1979 during that era when they drafted a young man we, out of Moorhead State. Didn't we have Larry Sims. Zonka? Didn't we have Larry we Zonka? Did. And yet with the Dolphins, he was all everything. With us, he was. He gave us Ugats. He gave us Bubkins. Actually, that famous play with Joe Pesantric when he fumbled the ball against the Eagles and all he had to do was take a knee and win the game, he was trying to hand the football to the mentioned Hall of Famer wait, Larry wait, 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 Zonka wait, wait, when Herman Edwards picked the football up and won the game. Now you got me back to my Brooklyn roots. So we have Ali Sherman who was quarterback of Brooklyn College. Imagine Brooklyn College had a football team. All of a sudden the Giants, the Mara family, oh, we got to make him the coach. Wait, we, we got two great potentials. We got Vince Lombardi here. We got Tom Landry here. We don't need them. We got Ali Sherman here, right? Hey, Vince, somebody buy Green Bay Packers. How many Super Bowls? Tom Landry buy. How many Super Bowls? Hey, what did you get from Ali Sherman? One of your people, one of the chosen yeah. people. By the way, why was he even touching pigskin and throwing <laughs> footballs? That's a shanda. He should impale himself with a menorah. I think it was seven to be exact because Lombardi won two. Green Bay won both Super Bowl one and Super Bowl two behind the MVP play of Bart Starr, and I think Landry won five. Or got to five. I forget. But, 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 but Lombardi was from Brooklyn. I know. That would have been the perfect choice. Why? Because he was an Italian? Yes. Yeah, 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 that's yes. right. You know, the Maris, the Irish there, they're there in Spring Lake, they fly their giant flag there. And by the way, they're so cheap. They don't even have cheerleaders. Have you ever seen a halftime show? It's too show? cold out. Excuse me. Have you ever seen a halftime show? <laughs> they have that broken down band come out there. <laughs> or they have dogs catching frisbees. And the stupid giant fans pay all kinds of money to sit there and go, well, you know, they're frugal. The merits are frugal. But I will say this, last year, Giants-Eagles playoff game, Giants took a beating, of course, and the Eagles went on to go to the Super Bowl after beating San Francisco and lose to Kansas City, but who was right there on the sideline next to Saquon Barkley? Oh, on Eric the Giants? Adams, swagger man with yes. no plan, who knows nothing about football. Absolutely nothing. He was a curse to the Jets, a curse to the Mets, a curse to the Yankees, and Justin Ellis 
the curse of Jews are upon the Eagles tonight. You're going to lose against the Seahawks in Seattle when that guy from southern New Jersey who used to own the Philadelphia Inquirer put up an Israeli flag and an American flag in his executive box. What happened? The Jewish owner, self-hating Jew, kicked him out. And how come nobody talks about that since, huh? You don't even remember the guy's name. How quickly you Jews forget. You should have made a stand. And ever since then, Justin Ellick, it's been fly eagles, fly. No, crash eagles, crash. And you're going to lose tonight. You deserve it. I'm a monkey. Friends in the morning. 77 WABC. It's Christmas. Baby, please come home. One of my favorite Christmas remakes ever. You too, baby. Please come home. Merry Christmas, everybody. Christmas now, one week away, a week from today. No snow today, but your fair share of rain and wind and flooding and all that nonsense, which just makes life miserable. It's not pretty. It's not fun. Does nothing but make life miserable. But with that said, Merry Christmas. Keep <laughs> <You> trying. <laughs> what do I got to tell you? Just sucks. You know, uh, Bill Moore has turned out to be one of the really brilliant minds in America today. I spent most of my life disagreeing with Bill Maher. I remember I met him once. It was a party for the Sopranos. I think the place was called Bungalow 8, or I forget the exact name. It was around the Chelsea section of Manhattan, going back, I guess, 20, 25 years ago. I don't know. For some reason, I was invited to this party because I, you know, I knew all these Sopranos guys. And I remember walking in, and Bill Maher was there, wearing a black leather jacket and black jeans. And I met him at the bar, and I said hello to him, and I thought he was a jerk. He was, like, really not very nice. And I shared that story the next morning with Imus. And Imus, of course, so maybe he thinks you're a jerk, and, well, maybe he does. I don't know. So I never really liked him. I never I hated his politics. Never really loved his show, but... Over the last year and a half, Bernard was still alive. Bernard used to play quite a bit of Bill Maher. Bill would uh, say stuff that was making sense, almost sounded like he was on our team. Again, back to about 18 months, maybe even as many as two years ago. And he continues to be a sane voice in that Democrat galaxy, which has 
Very few sane voices left. Again, not to argue with John Katzmatidis, who I love dearly, there is no such thing as a common-sense Democrat. There's like three in the whole world, maybe two. Bob Holden here in Queens is one. That's it. That's it. Don't tell me David Patterson is common sense. I love the governor. Love him. I've dinner with the guy once a month. He's not common sense. He's Democrat with a capital D. He's not in office right now. And he's not even in office. That's true. But there's, there's, there's no, you know, the, the guy in West Virginia, Mansion. he showed his true colors. There's just no such thing as a common sense Democrat. Adams, Hochul, who? They don't exist. Bob Holden in Queens, that's it. Well, Bill Moore, he's on TV, though. He's not a politician. I guess he's a common-sense Democrat. He made this point on his show on Friday night, Lewis, cut number 12. History is brutal, and humans are not good people. History is sad and full of wrongs, but you can't make them unhappen because a paraglider isn't a time machine. People get moved and, yes, colonized. Nobody was a bigger colonizer than the Muslim army that swept out of the Arabian desert and took over much of the world in a single century. And they didn't do it by asking. There were deals on the table to share the land called Palestine in 1947, 93, 95, 98, 2000, 2008. And East Jerusalem could have been the capital of a Palestinian state that today might look more like Dubai than Gaza. Arafat was offered 95% of the West Bank and said, no. The Palestinian people should know your leaders and the useful idiots on college campuses who are their allies are not doing you any favors by keeping alive the river to the sea myth. I mean, where do you think Israel is going? It's one of the most powerful countries in the world with the $500 billion economy, the world's second largest tech sector, after Silicon Valley and nuclear weapons. They're here. They like their bagel with a schmear. Get used to it. (laughs) What's happening to Palestinians today is horrible, and not just in Gaza, in the West Bank, too. But wars end with negotiation, and what the media glosses over is it's hard to negotiate when the other side's bargaining position is you all die and disappear. I mean, the chant from the river to the sea. Yeah, let's look at the map. Here's the river, here's the sea. Oh, I see, it means you get all of it. Even though it's indisputably also the Jews' ancestral homeland. And so, you attacked, and lost, and attacked again, and lost, and attacked again, and lost. As my friend Dr. Phil says, how's that working for you? And they attacked again, and they will lose. Let me say it again. And I'm going to say it a lot these next five days till I disappear until 2024. We don't want a two-state solution. Been on, been like that for a long time. Decade after decade after decade. And eventually the Palestinians, call them what you want, Hamas. I'm not sure what they were called in the 60s or the 70s or the 80s when they were still blowing up Israelis at pizza shops. But this has been going on for decades. They don't want peace, none of them, not the Palestinians, not Hamas. So they started a war, and they're going to lose again. But the difference now is we've had enough. Never again, this time, really means never again. We've got five great guests about to come your way. Jacqueline Toboroff, 
Alex Trayman live from Israel. Big 8 o'clock hour with Bill O'Reilly and Siggy Flicker. And my man, Brian Kilmeade from Fox News, coming up next. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Monday edition of Sid and Friends in the morning, the last week for us until 2023. I'll do the show on Friday, then that's it, until January 2nd, I should say, 2024. So we have our big people on this week, and my next guest has been great to me. I mean great to me, and he's a big deal. He's on Fox and Friends, on Fox News every morning, has his own great show on Fox News, 9 p.m. on Saturday nights, One Nation, right after my good buddy Mark Levin, and of course, does a tremendous job following me each and every weekday morning right here on WABC. He's a very talented Brian Kilmeade. Good morning, Brian. What's happening, Sid? Thanks so much. I mean, if I'm on on a Monday and you want all your biggest names, am I, does that mean I'm your biggest name? I mean, can I, I can only conclude that. Well, you're in there. I mean, look, uh, today's guest list, Siggy Flicker, Bill O'Reilly. These are some huge, huge names. So, yes, you are correct. Well, the biggest. The I'm gonna biggest. Just give me a second. I'm, give, I'm changing my resume right now. Hold on. Just fill, fill the. Okay, I did it. I just sent. I'm sending it out to Kinkos. You didn't send I'm it anywhere. It. And the truth is, with you being in Michigan and Kansas and Pennsylvania, all over the country, it's amazing. I guarantee you never mentioned my name once. Not once. Um, you did come up. You come up a lot uh, when I signed anywhere in the area. So I forgot. Uh, in two or three areas, people say, I'd really love to hear you on WABC. And I go, you like the show? He goes, no, no, I like you with Sid. I'm like, oh, okay. Thanks. You know I'm on after Sid, right? You know I got my own show. Which is, oh, hurts my feelings. No, no, but. come on. You're great. But I, I do love hearing that. I'm not going to lie to you. So, uh, <laughs> so I left my house this morning. I had a, uh, all kinds of water damage last year. Had to move out for Did six you? months. Had to move back wow. into New York City, which I could really do without at this point. And uh, now I've got uh, another issue. And uh, last night, the rain, the wind coming into work this morning. They, as I was driving, they were shutting down the Verrazano Bridge. The Bell Parkway was a mess. So I need to know, Brian, coming in from Long Island, from Massapequa to Midtown, 49th and 6th, what was your trip like this morning? It was pretty bad. Uh, you know, I feel so fortunate and I was so worried uh, because I'm in Wichita. You can't get back directly. I had to go to Atlanta. And then they screwed up my uh, transfer. So I'm saying to myself, I'm looking at this weather. and I'm thinking I'm going to be stuck. But I was able to land. I actually landed at midnight. So oh I've only God. slept a couple of hours. I know, it's crazy. But by the time I got up, it was a typhoon on Long Island. Not an actual typhoon, but it was really bad. I just, we'd, uh, so it just took my time, you know. They do send a car for me in the morning. On the way home, I'm on the train. But they do send a car so I can get some work done in the morning. But I did notice we were going about 40 miles an hour as opposed to, you know, I demand 85. Right. Uh, I demand top speed. Yeah. I did not want a hydroplane to work, though. Right. No, it's dangerous out there. So folks that are getting in their cars right now listening to me and Brian, it is uh, it is rough out there. So be careful on this Monday morning. So, well, you know, of course, that uh, last Saturday, nine days ago, I had the great. 
great opportunity to spend a lot of time, actually, with President Trump. He was in town, the New York Republicans Club, a big event, 1,000 people, Chip Riani's. And, of course, the guy that runs that club is a guy named Gavin Wax. And everybody was talking this weekend that there's been another discussion between Trump and Gavin Wax again, Trump coming back to New York and having a rally in the South Bronx. Now, people go, why? I'll tell you why. Because Trump really believes, and he said it more than once last Saturday night, he can win New York. And a rally in South Bronx will only help him do that. What do you think of Trump and Wax getting together and Trump maybe ending up in the South Bronx? And, you know, it's so interesting. So I'm in Wichita, and, you know, believe it or not, yeah, I love traveling around different states and getting a sense of what's going on, you know, Midwest, wherever it is. And one of the questions last night was, why do uh, Republicans only talk to the audiences they vote for, that's going to vote for them? You know, I, what are you talking about? He goes, how come I never see Republicans in the south side of Chicago? How come I never see Republicans uh, dealing with black audiences in New York? And I said, they have no plan. They just hope that they realize at one point the Democrats are hurting them, and I think it's a huge liability. They have no plan, so they, they don't make an effort. And why? Because they've been frustrated. They put an effort in, and the vote still doesn't come their direction, where historically Lincoln was a Republican. Frederick Douglass was a Republican. Booker T. Washington was a Republican. Every Though the Democrats, they were the ones historically with the, Jim Crow. That's their idea. The Ku Klux Klan, that's their idea. There was jiu-jitsu done in the 19th. 1960s, and I would not be I would not be afraid to go into these audiences. You set up, you know, set up security, do what you have to do, and get people to challenge you. Trump's got the answers. You know, if these candidates don't have the answers, they shouldn't be president. This is what I'll do. And listen, first off, listen, what are your issues? What are your frustrations? What do you think when I say, when I support the cops, why do some people interpret that as I don't support minorities? What would, let me hear your point of view, and then I'll give you mine. And then maybe they'll say, you don't know what it's like, X, Y, and Z. That's called a dialogue, and it also shows people care. Show up. That's all you have to do. Show up. This could be the beginning of showing up. And look, Vivek Ramaswamy has done that in certain areas. There's been no cameras. I know he's done it, though. I would love for Trump to start doing that, but not just here. I'd go into Chicago. I, I'd go into all these inner city areas, Charlotte, North Carolina, these purple states where, for some reason, they're competitive. Go into these cities. Go into Philadelphia. And just say, what is the problem here? Go and sit to do your press conference around Skid Row over in Philadelphia. Say, this is the reason I lose this state. What, what exactly are the Democrats doing for you guys? I love that. I think you bring up a, a great idea. You're right. Not no, Don't just keep it to the Bronx. Take it all over to all these cities. Donald Trump. Now, on the flip side, you've got Joe Biden, who now is losing according to the latest polls, in seven major swing states. And he keeps asking for a two-state solution. Now, I'm Jewish, so it's a little more personal to me. Now that you don't care, everybody cares. Everybody was hurt by October the 7th. But it is more personal to me, and I can tell you, I don't want a two-state solution. We tried it for decades and decades. It wasn't just October the 7th. They've been killing Jews in Israel forever. Bombs at Sparrow, bombs on buses. The fact is, they just can't live together. We don't want them. I don't want them. No two-state solution. And Biden going on and on and on. Now you got Chris Coons yesterday on Meet the Press 
just hammering Netanyahu that he's the most impossible guy ever to work with. Even Lindsey Graham, who I thought was on our team, you just never know with a guy like him on Meet the Press, also offering that two-state solution. Take it from me, Brian. Israel does not want a two-state solution. Netanyahu does not want a two-state solution. Jews like Sid Rosenberg in the United States don't want a two-state solution. It's not going to happen. Biden needs to get aboard or get off the bus. You know, it's kind of interesting. So I went back and looked at Lindsey Graham's comments because I could not believe he said it because I've been traveling, but I got all the tra- uh, transcripts, so I'm reading them on the plane. And he said to my friends in Israel, you do whatever you need to do best for the state of Israel. But I can tell you this, Saudi Arabia and other Arab countries cannot normalize with Israel if they if they have seen, if they're having been seen as throwing the Palestinians under the bus. We have two choices. Continue the death spiral, not meaning for the country, the death spiral as in everyone dying, like October 7th as a catalyst for change. I think the Arabs are going to demand some form of two-state solution to recognize Israel. I think Israel is going to demand security buffers different than before, and they need to make those demands. I don't know how this ends. See, that's a lot different than it's being portrayed, but I'll tell you this, if you don't get this right this time, we're talking about another generation of tit for tat. So what he's trying to say is, he goes to these Arab nations, this is what they're saying. He's like, I know what Netanyahu is saying. I understand the things can't go back, but what is the answer? I think he's trying to say in that statement, this is what the Arabs saying. I can't continue growing the Arab Accords if it looks like we're just abandoning the Palestinians. And that's the Iran's oh, 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 point. Hold on a second. Why is it Israel's responsibility to babysit these people? You know that there was a bunch of countries that could have allowed Palestinians in. When Israel said, you got to go, you got to evacuate, we're going to blow this place to smithereens. Every one of these Arab countries, Jordan, Egypt, said, no, thank you. So does Lindsey Graham know that? Does Joe Biden know that? Why is it my country's response, excuse me, why is it Israel's responsibility to harbor these people who, by the way, are taught at a young age to hate and kill Jews when no other Arab country wanted them? Why is that? You know what? I, I can't take the other side because I'm on your side. So I, I can't. I, I've I've read all these stuff. I remember, you know, in six. I remember in twelfth grade, you know, hearing about all these things. I remember in college having to take courses about this. And we remember all the Oslo Accords. You remember Ehud Barak. Remember how many times Yasser Arafat walked away? And then emerged. Then we quickly thought well, there was a chance at this. And then Condoleezza Rice, who I think is as bright as it comes, says, "Let's have a vote." And then Hamas wins the vote. And then everything just stopped. They go, you can't. We just basically gave Al Qaeda uh, of the Middle East a country. So that's when this whole thing derailed. And then it became intimidation. You know, the mob is in the area. You can't stand up against the mob. They got the guns. They got the weapons. They got the muscle. So I don't know how the Palestinians think. But having said that, Jordan could have taken them. They want no part of them. Egypt says this is a, this is a division of the Muslim Brotherhood. I want no part of it. They want they want it to be somewhere in that area. But the Palestinians had their slice of land. They abandoned it. And then instead of holding on to it, they started a war in 48, 67, 73, had an infantata in the 93. I mean, it goes 98, 2003. So this kept going, but we've never seen carnage like this. Right. So the answer is Bill Maher kind of nailed it this weekend. I really encourage people to look at his monologue. He says, hey, guys. You started wars instead of instead of grabbing a peaceful country. You've lost. You've lost that land. Game over. The problem is it makes it impossible with these other Middle Eastern uh, countries. So maybe you push it to the end and you just wipe them out. But what does happen to Gaza day two? You know, when it's over, day one, when when Hamas tunnels are blown up and for the most part they're gone. 
What happens then? Well, you know, that's, so like, I, uh, well, that's like asking a football coach, what happens in two weeks when you play your next game? And the football coach says the same thing every time. I'm not worried about two weeks. I'm worried about my opponent this Sunday. I've got to win but, this Sunday. Sid, and for Sid, Israel, I'll play out that analogy further. Right but now. you do have scout. But you do have advanced scouts getting ready for that game. <laughs> yeah, okay, you're right. Right? You're right. Do you follow me? Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> they do I'm not saying scouts. that. You know, I'm just saying, guys, I got a commission. You got to tell me. <laughs> That's you know, Yeah. No, you're right. So listen, uh, so there, listen there needs I'm to be with a you. Plan. I feel the frustration. Yeah, I am angry. I'm more than frustrated. I'm angry. I want to get to uh, two more quick things. I'll let you run. This is the great Brian Kilmeade. Follows me 10 a.m. every weekday morning right here. Host of One Nation, 9 p.m. Saturday nights on Fox News. And, of course, part of that great threesome on Fox and Friends. Uh, Eric Adams, I saw his most recent comments. Let's spread the migrants out all over the place. This poor bastard, he doesn't know what to do next. I mean, we've been over this a million times. He was part of the problem for the longest time, a major part of the problem. Now he's trying to be part of the solution, but of course it's way too late, and every idea he's got now is dumber than the last. So what do we do with Eric Adams and this city moving into 2024? I, I couldn't believe he said that. I said, okay, maybe they're saying that out of context. He came out and said, let's take this problem and just spread it out to every county. And if his follow-up was, I want everyone to feel our pain and then make, make some changes. But instead, he's like, okay, let's leave him here and just fan him out. Do you see that seven, combined, 76% of the country thinks the border's a problem and has to be solved? 76%. So the issue that Trump made uh, made maybe a uh, the main reason why Republicans voted for him and he got the nomination in 2016 is now the number one issue in the country for all parties uh, in 2024. And I think that everybody realizes that he's the best person for this. And everybody realizes there's got to be a crackdown. And did you see the audacity of Senator Menendez? Yes. Menendez comes out and says this is anti-Hispanic and we sound like we're Trump's policies. You idiot. You corrupt piece of crap. You're actually <laughs> looking at what's happening at the border and you think this is racism? Like, did you see uh, the Castro brothers said these are racist policies that Joe Biden might be signing on to? You let 10,000 a day in just one one day. This is millions of people coming here illegally. And if you want to crack down on that and control your border, you're racist. That used to be a fear when the Mitt Romney lost. They said, Republicans, if you crack down on the border, that's going to be the message. But we have woken up since then. The Hispanic community has woken up since then. They know this is not anti-Hispanic because it's not even Hispanics coming across. It's not Mexicans. This is Senegal. This is half of Africa. This is the Middle East. This is Haiti. This is Cuba. This is everybody come one, come all. This is a once in a lifetime. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity for people. Most of these people do not qualify for amnesty. So we have to have rapid return. You, okay, congratulations. You crossed, you got to leave. Why? I told you to apply in the country you first cross into. The minute you come in our country, you made yourself ineligible. Very simple. And we just uh, have the plane standing by. This is all the things Republicans should, should stand by. And then as soon as word gets out that if you cross, you're gone, no one's going to want to pay all these coyotes and all these cartels to do it. Right now it's too lucrative. They don't even have to sell drugs. They move people.
60 seconds to go. Great rant there, by the way. Brian Kilmeade, that's great stuff. Uh, lost weekend for football. DeVito ha- had his father on a couple of days ago. Great 20-minute conversation, but he got hammered. Giants lose 24-6. Jets lose 30 to nothing. And I had Joe Beningo on the show last week. No bigger Jet fan than Joe. He's the man. But I argued with him that if you're the Jets, you don't play Aaron Rodgers. You're not making the playoffs. It's a five-win season. They have a horrible offensive line. Zach Wilson's terrible. I get that. But he ain't getting a lot of help either. Don't play Aaron. You know, all of 2024, from your coach to your GM to your whole football team, maybe your fan base, is relying on Aaron Rodgers to come back next year and give the Jets something. Why would you play him at 40 years old coming up with a very serious injury? And he's like, I want to see him. I think it's stupid. What do you think? You have a solid argument, except if, if you're the coach and Rodgers says, Coach, I need to see you, and you say, okay, I'm doing other things, talking to Bill O'Reilly and Brian Kilmeade, but I'll put it all on hold. Aaron, come on in. And then you say, what do you need? You go, Coach, psychologically, I need to play. I need to know at 40 years old I could still do this. Let me get in the last two games. It means a lot to me. If he does that, I do it. If he does not do that and said, Coach, it's your call, I don't do it. Fair enough. He, uh, it should be Aaron Rodgers with that decision. You're right about that, Brian. The Hall of Fame, one of the all-time greatest quarterbacks making that decision and not uh, Robert Sella. Anyway, you Let me uh, ask you something. I just got a real, real quick question about our business. How do you feel about the fact that McAfee paid him a million dollars to appear each week? How do you feel about the fact that Pat McAfee makes $10 million a year and is the highest paid ESPN personality in the world? Smart. He's a smart business guy. I mean, this guy's a kicker, right? Punter? Yeah, punter. Yeah. I mean, right. He doesn't even have, he doesn't even have sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, he, you know, he came out and he said, listen, I wanted him on every week, so I paid him a million dollars. Yeah, it's smart. And that came out later. And that is smart, isn't it? It's very, very smart. Don't forget all the, all the comments Rodgers has made this year, and he's made a bunch. Go back to yeah. Pat McAfee. And I'll tell you, I do watch that, uh, that Saturday morning. It's over now because it's bowl season. But that college football ESPN game day, college game day show with Carl yeah. and Lee and Kirk and Desmond and, uh, McAfee does a uh, pretty good job. Anyway, talking about doing a good job. You do a great job. You've been a tremendous asset to sitting friends in the morning in 2023. You're a great friend as well for 20 Five years, so I wish you the uh, the merriest of Christmases, the happiest of New Years, and I look forward to continuing this great relationship in 2024. Thank you, Brian Kilmeade. Well, believe it, hey, uh, Sid, you you have allowed us to have success in the lineup. I'm just trying to hold on to your audience when I come on at ten. So it's really my honor to be on. In all seriousness. So thanks so much for everything. You got it, pal. I love you. There he is, folks, the great Brian Kilmeade. He's just a terrific guy, great talent, but a terrific guy. 10 a.m. after me every weekday, Fox and Friends in One Nation, 9 p.m. Fox News Saturday nights. Still a lot more to do this morning, including Siggy Flicker, Bill O'Reilly, Jacqueline Toberoff. Keep it right here, Sid and Friends on a Monday. Comes a cold stuff, fast and silent in the night. Over my shoulder, all you can see are high. No money in our jacket, tight, our jeans are torn. Your hands are cold, but your lips are warm. Oh, you're my best friend. Boy, this is Sid. And friends in the morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. 
Can I say something real quick? Sure. There's a reason you're number one in New York. You are fantastic. Oh my you God. really are fantastic. And I appreciate you, buddy. And God Thank bless you. everybody in New York. Delray Beach, Creed, rain, it is raining. It is a rough morning here in New York. About 40,000 people now without power in all the boroughs. Coastal flooding. I've got some flooding in my house. It's it's brutal. Just brutal. Uh, The good news is it should be over sometime tonight. That was Mark Levin, too, you heard there, complimenting me in the show. And Levin and I must have talked ten times yesterday. He's tweeting all day long. He's He's frustrated like me. He's angry. You know, Joe Biden lecturing Netanyahu on what to do. He said, what country in the world could ever succeed with people like Joe Biden, Anthony Blinken, and Sullivan in charge of intelligence? They went on to kill Lindsey Graham, too, for Lindsey Graham asking for a two-state solution on Meet the Press yesterday. Me and Levin are on the same exact page. We don't want a two-state solution. We want to obliterate these people. I don't care if that upsets you. They tried a two-state solution in Israel for years, overextended themselves, and the same thing kept happening. War, 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 war. Well, we're done with it. We don't want it. Egypt doesn't want these people. Jordan don't want these people. I don't want these people. Enough is enough. Netanyahu is doing the right thing, just obliterate and destroy. That's it. So one of the most popular guests on this program now was a star years ago on Real Housewives of New Jersey. But that's nonsense. She really has become the voice of the Jewish people down in Florida. And let me say this. I had some time with President Trump last Saturday at Cipriani's, thanks to Gavin Wax. He is in love with Siggy Flicker. He likes me, but he loves Siggy. Every time I look at Siggy on the social media sites, she's hanging out with President Trump at Mar-a-Lago. So with that said, here she is, my dear friend down in Florida, Siggy Flicker. Good morning, Siggy. Good morning to you, my angel. How Good are you? Morning. Good morning. I'm doing great. I know I'm you want to fight. I know you're ready to fight. I'm doing great. I'm smiling. <laughs> Israel's taking care of what Israel needs to take care of. And Israel doesn't give a rat blank about somebody like Biden who isn't even running the United States of America. If your listeners know, and, and I'm sure your listeners already know this, Obama is running the country, and Obama is no fan of the Jews or Israel. Let me repeat that. Obama, on his last day in office, sent pallets of cash, pallets of cash to Iran. What do you think Iran was doing? Buying Starbucks coffee? (laughs) What do you think that they were doing with the pallets of cash? People, wake up. Your country has been infiltrated with the enemy. They are amongst us. 
the new Democrat Party is not the party that I once loved. It's not the party of JFK. It's now filled with traitors and warmongers, Lindsey Graham, two-state solution. The Palestinians, jackass, don't even want a two-state solution. Why, are, <laughs> why is it even on the table? What's going on here? It's like offering me a Chanel bag when I already have it. I'm like, I don't want it. I want something else this holiday season. What's going on is that you, the people, the American people are so awake now, it's hard for them to fool us. They don't know what to do. So the solution is, is everybody must Jexit. Jexit stands for Jews exiting the Democrat Party. Jews and Christians, we are the last guardians of Western civilization. If we unite, if we unite, we can ensure that our children and our grandchildren have a future. And Sid, I know you know this. Listen, Muslims are great people. They're great Muslims. But according to every Every institute, FBI, CIA, uh, every every um, um, agency, 25% of Muslims are radicalized. So if you take $2 billion and you give me 25% of those people that are ra- radicalized, you've got 500 million people all over this world that were taught from the age of three. First they come for the Saturday people, then they come for the sa- Sunday people. You go to school in Gaza, and at the age of three, the textbooks from Saudi Arabia, it's funded by, you know who it's funded by. They teach these little kids. They weren't born to hate. They were taught to hate, to kill a Jew. What do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, I want to be a shit. I want into I want to kill a Jew. I'm going to throw a rock at a Jew. This is what they teach them from the age of three. So by the time they turn 17, they already have 15 AR-15s. And they're already going on the street and causing chaos. This is why all Arab countries close their borders, ladies and gentlemen. They want world domination. They want them to go to Netherlands and London and Paris. And they're now, guess what? You've got Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib. They're welcoming, them, welcoming everybody, bringing their mothers, their grandmothers, their sisters, anybody who hates Christians and Jews. It's now in America. We've got sleeper cells here coming for us. We have to unite. There are 2.7 billion Christians in the world and only 15 million Jews. We are 0.2% of the population. But if somebody's toilet doesn't work, Sid, oh, it's the Jewish people's fault. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No one takes into consideration that everywhere a Jew moves into, a Jew actually does good for the community. They're the most charitable people in the world. They have more Nobel Prizes. Whatever happened when a radical moved into your community? What do they do? Huh? They only go out there and say, Antifada, Antifada. They don't even know what river or what sea they're chanting for. They cause chaos. And by the way, not easy on the eye. Not easy <laughs> on the eye. That's true, too. <laughs> the great Siggy Flicker. Yeah, yeah I uh, put myself through this misery on Sundays. I don't know why I do, but I do. So I watched in, uh, Kristen Welker yesterday on Meet the Press. So I saw the, the Lindsey Graham stuff live. I saw Chris Coons, who actually said, and I quote, his quote was uh, about Netanyahu. He said, Netanyahu has been an exceptionally difficult partner, and he's done everything he can to undermine a positive vision for peace of Israel. And Walker is nodding her head. Yes, you're right. Yes, you're right. But at one point, <laughs> you know, you just can't make this up. When she's talking to Lindsey Graham, she was seizing on the fact that Donald Trump used some rhetoric a couple of days ago that sounded a lot like Hitler when he was talking about the border. And the one part where Graham came off on our team, Siggy, was Graham kept saying, hold on a second. I'm really tired at this point of hearing about what Trump says, how he says it, 
Who cares? The fact is, when Trump was president for four years, that border was closed. And now 79% of Americans believe the biggest issue in this country is the border. So stop telling me what Trump says. Let's talk about what Trump did. That was the one shining moment for Lindsey Graham. Exactly one shining, but then he has 20 shining moments that he just goes to the other side. They're all paid puppets. They're rhinos. You know, Republicans in name only. Let's just talk about the one sentence. My president, my president, Donald John Trump, told me, told all of us at Mar-a-Lago last week, he does an interview. And he was joking around saying, you know what, I'd like to be a dictator for one day only and put all these bad people away and then continue being who I really am, which is not a dictator. So what do you think the media did? Selective editing. They did it to me when I was a housewife. Somebody would come at me and throw things at me, and the minute I responded, they only took a little thing, and then they edited the left, the right, and they only took a little thing to create a false narrative. Well, you know, they, they, they did the same thing to Trump about about uh, Virginia when he said there are good folks on both sides except the Nazis. Exactly, and they took out except for the Nazis, and and this time around, they took out, I'd like to be a dictator for one day and then go back to being who I am, which is the opposite of a dictator. Please, this man doesn't need the job. Ladies and gentlemen, he is married to the most beautiful human being. When she walks into the room, I get butterflies in my stomach. He's got five kids who could all spell mom, dad, and Bob backwards. The family (laughs) is incredible, regal, class. You don't have any of the crap that you have now in the White House with, oh, my God, even their Christmas. Oh, God, I got to look away all the time. It's nauseating. I mean, this man golfs, and he's a fabulous golfer. He, he, He has the most wonderful life. He didn't need to do this. Man's persecuted 24-7, thank God for Alina Haba, fighting his fights in court and winning them. He didn't need this. He's doing it. He's taking the slings and arrows for us. Why? So his grandchildren, by the way, uh, three of them are Jewish, and my children and your children and our future grandchildren can have a future in America before it turns to Sharia. Wake up. Look around. Stop believing the phony media. All these people say the same thing. They get their, um, except for Sid, the few of them, and my constitutional expert, Mark Levin, they get their talking points, the other ones, at 4 a.m., and they all repeat the same BS. <laughs> and they think that Americans are, sleep- are still sleeping. No way. Trump is winning in a landslide, beyond a landslide. We still have another year of hell. Our borders are wide open, like you just said, Sid. We've got 50 million illegal aliens here. We don't know what the hell they're doing here, but I got to tell you something. Americans are waking up. Americans are fighting back. And Americans know right now we, Jews and Christians, are the last guardians of Western civilization. I sent you the video, Sid, yesterday. Yep of the Muslim in the Netherlands urinating on pork in the middle of a supermarket. Unbelievable. Share the same values as us. You've got 34 beautiful countries. Why are you coming to our country when you've got countries that have the same values as you? We don't want you here. I'm not scared to say it. You know why? Because if I don't say it and I have to grow up in a world like that, I don't want to live in a world like that anyway. I'm asking especially the Jewish people, stop trembling okay we have survived so much 
stop trembling. I can't stand people like I'm taking down my mezuzah. I'm oh, God, no. My Jewish star. Yeah. Come on. No, don't, don't do you know that. your history. No, you're right. I tell, I tell people all the time, I've got people, oh, my son doesn't wear his yarmulke, they won't wear tzitzis in the street. Yeah. And I say to them, I say, you know what? Let him get his ass kicked. You ever see the movie yeah. Goodfellas? Even saying Goodfellas, every once in a while we get, you gotta get punched in the face. I'd rather I somebody get their you, ass kicked. Sid. Right, exactly. I agree, I agree. And you know what? I don't even care anymore because I, I have to tell people a fact. When, Far- when, when Pharaoh said, I'm not going to let the Jews go. And then Moses came to him and all the plagues came down. Do you know how many people, how many Jews actually left Egypt with Moses? Only 20%. Yep. The other ones stayed back like jackasses. You want to <laughs> live this life? Go ahead. But let me remind you, we survived Pharaoh, the Greeks, the Romans, the Inquisition in Spain, the pogroms in Russia, Hitler, Germans, um, Germany, uh, the Holocaust. Yeah, during 1948, let me tell you, listeners, seven countries attacked us. And they all had an army. We didn't even have an army. We kicked their butt. When I was born in 1967 in the bomb shelter during the Six-Day War where my father was fighting out there, let me tell you something. We, had, we, we, we didn't have a lot of airplanes, maybe three airplanes, a few tanks. We beat them then. We beat them during the, the Yom Kippur War when they surprise attacked us. Don't worry. We're getting Hamas. The rats right now in the tunnel. Oh, they, they don't even know what to do right now. Everybody wants ceasefire, ceasefire. You want a ceasefire? It's very simple. We can have a ceasefire right now. Give me back my 136 bodies, dead or alive. I want them back. I want them back in Am Yisrael Chai. You give me back my hostages, we have a ceasefire. Who cares what Lindsey Graham says or Biden? Biden doesn't even know where he is. <laughs> Biden doesn't know. Please. He doesn't even know what he's doing. He has an earpiece with Obama in his ear. <laughs> Americans, wake up. Stay strong. Yeah. Stay with Sid. Just, just believe in Am Yisrael Chai and believe that this is the greatest country in the world. We are the home of the free because of those brave. We're not going to disappoint all those men and women who lost their lives to, to give us freedom. We're not giving in our freedom. It's not for sale. We're holding on to it. And I love you, Sid. Thank oh, you. Oh, God, I love you. What, what a great message this morning. You know, I wanted to make sure this is my last week. Friday is my last show. Until uh, 2024, I'll be back January the 2nd. And I said to my producer, I said, we got to get all my favorite people on this week to close out 2023. And, Siggy, you, you are that. You're, uh, you're a great voice for the Jewish people. You're beautiful. I love you. We all love you. Thank you again for another great appearance, and I will see you and talk to you again very, very soon. You're the best. Thank you. You, you got it. Love you. Bye, Love you everybody. Too. That's uh, the great Siggy Flicker right here on Sid and Friends in the Morning. She's a great voice, man. She is a fearless woman down in Boca Raton, Florida, where I used to live and where I may live again soon. <laughs> anyway, look at your face. You just got sick to your stomach, Lewis. Not, not for a while. Don't worry. I'm not going anywhere. No, I I, I didn't work my ass off the last eight years to make this show number one just to leave. Are you nuts? No, I not know. Not yet. That. I know that. I'm agreeing with you. Soon could be, you know. Uh, uh, the, January 10th. No. <laughs> Well, I love the rain, I love the rain, I love to hear the thunder, watch the lightning when it lights up the sky, you know it makes me feel good. Well, I love a rainy night, such a beautiful sight, I love to feel the rain on my face, taste the rain on my lips.
She's shooting two movies, one short, one full major motion picture in January. January 4th, 5th, and 6th, I'll be shooting something for Paul Borghese and Tony Darrow. Great cast, me, Peter Cordio, Chuck Zito. And, um, well, I've forgotten the rest of the people in the movie. It doesn't matter. But then uh, around January the 16th, I may have to go to L.A. for a little bit to shoot the uh, On the Take movie, which is really exciting. On the take, which is about the two mob cops from Brooklyn. And I forget, uh, I know one of them is Epolito, Caracapa and Epolito. True story about two cops in Brooklyn who turned out to work for the mob. And that's uh, another Danny A movie. The same guy that did Inside Man, which came out this summer, was initially titled Gemini Lounge. And it did great. And I flew to Los Angeles Two years ago to film that for the full week, that was an amazing experience. And it'll be the same thing coming up with this movie. So I've got two other scripts I haven't even read yet. So I kind of joked around during the strike that my second career, because this is always my baby, this radio show, and WABC, that's that's my baby. But I always joked around that uh, my stepchild, <laughs> the acting career is about to take off, but I had no idea. Just how much? And we are only a couple of weeks out from the strike, and I've got a bunch of amazing opportunities with some big-time directors and producers and actors. Don't forget, that's Amore is out there with my, my buddy uh, Balalanga, Nick, who won two Academy Awards for Green Card. And that's a movie that has John Travolta and uh, Catherine Heigl, Talia Shire, Dre Mario, Christopher Walken. So all these opportunities are coming my way very shortly. So, Alec, you better start brushing up on your hosting duties. Okay. Can you do it? Yeah, why not? You can host this show for four hours, right? Easily. No problem. Yep. <laughs> What's funny about you is you actually believe that. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Keith Richards celebrating his 80th birthday today. 80. Rolling Stones at 848 on your Monday morning. Bill O'Reilly's here every Thursday at 840. It's the highest rated segment of the week here on WABC. But knowing this is our last week, after Friday we'll be back in 2024. Bill agreed to do the show twice, which is an honor for us, trust me. It doesn't get better than O'Reilly. So here he is at uh, 849 on your Monday morning. Good morning, Bill. How are you? You know, I'm uh, fighting the monsoon out here. Got my little pontoon oh, and uh, snorkel. <laughs> uh, How bad is it out there on Long Island? Because where we live by the bad. beach in Rockaway, it was bad. 
Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you how you got in this morning. Um, I'm on a little hill, and, and uh, the water's rolling down the hill. Uh, but the turret dog won't go out. That's no. how bad it is. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, turret dog. Oh, I'm looking God. at the turret dog going, um, uh, it's time. No way. <laughs> no way. See, here in the city right now, we, of course, do the show from 3rd Avenue. We've got these big, beautiful windows. The Katsimatidis did build a beautiful studio. Looking outside, it's actually sunny in the city yeah, right it now. stopped. Right? Yeah, yeah. But we got hammered uh, in Rockaway. I know Long Island took a beating, too. I think Con Ed said there are about uh, 30,000 that lost power, so it was ugly, but I guess uh, that's this time of year. Here's how bad it is. de Blasio had to break his date this morning. <laughs> that's bad. This is the new Hugh Hefner, isn't it? Yeah, de Blasio? He really is, isn't he? Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think he is. He's got girls all over him. All the- My wife asked me this weekend, she goes, why? I go, he's got money. He stole like a billion dollars from the city, him and his wife. <laughs> Allegedly. Uh, look, I want to get to uh, to the whole Israel situation because, um, you know, I talk to you, obviously, the most. I respect you the most. And I had some nice conversations with uh, our mutual friend Mark Levin about this yesterday. And Jews are pissed. I'm pissed. Levin's pissed. Uh, we don't want to hear about a two-state solution. We've been trying that bill, as you know, for the better part of 70 years and whether it's Hamas or some other Palestinian government, eventually they go to war. And we kick their ass, and they're nice again for a little while. Then they go to war, and we kick their ass, and it's the same thing over and over again. But what they did on October the 7th, there is no going back from that. So while Lloyd Austin sits there this morning trying to tell the Israelis what to do, while Joe Biden publicly humiliates Netanyahu, i got to tell you, Screw the U.S. This needs to be done the way Israel is doing it and needs to be done now. Decades of this stuff, we've had enough. All right. Um, there are two aspects to the story. It's a personal aspect that you're hitting on. And, of course, that's right, because all you have to do is go back to 9-11. And if Israel uh, was telling the United States how to handle al-Qaeda, uh, how would we have received that? That's right. That's it. It's as simple as that. The second um, aspect is the public relations aspect. Um, So the world doesn't like Israel, generally speaking, the third world in particular. Um, And there are a variety of reasons for that, most of them not valid, usually on emotion. But what the Biden administration is trying to do is trying to say, okay, we're the voice of moderation and reason here. And we're going to appeal to the Netanyahu government um, to be more strategic in its uh, waging of the war. It's not that the U.S. government objects to Israel dismantling Hamas. They don't. And I know this for a fact because I wrote Killing the Killers. Our U.S. intelligence agencies are helping Israel pinpoint all of the terrorists that they can and and waxing them, taking them out. So the United States wants Hamas to be dismantled. It's in our best interest to have all of those people dead. Now, as far as the politics is concerned, then you go back into incompetence because the Biden administration is incompetent. And that's where it really gets annoying because we should have the finest minds in the world Working on this and giving the American public a realistic view, there is, it is impossible to have a two-party state solution when there is only one state, okay? Gaza, the Palestinians, 
Hezbollah, the West Bank, they aren't countries. They don't have responsible leadership. They aren't looking for detente or improvement. They're looking to kill Jews. That's it. And so, as a historian, when you look at Japan in World War II or Germany, you couldn't go in and say, you know what, guys? If you leave Malaysia and Czechoslovakia, we can forge uh, you know, a uh, peace agreement and avoid World War II. They weren't going to do it. And this is the same thing with Hamas. They're not going, they don't want a peaceful solution. They don't want it. So what is all this rhetoric about, you know, to stay? What is this? It's just garbage. It, it wastes people's time. It presents false hope. A strong leader would tell the nation just what I told WABC listeners right now. Yeah, but here's the problem. It's not just garbage. It's selfish. And what I mean by that is Biden knows he ain't going to win Michigan because Dearborn is basically Gaza part two. He knows now that all these young kids around this country, there was a poll in the New York Post this weekend. The overwhelming majority of 18 to 24-year-old kids in this country would like to see Israel annihilated and Jews removed from the map. So it's not just that he's inept or he can't get it done. He's evil because he knows this. He would rather get the Arab vote, even if it means Jews dying, and talk about this two-state solution nonsense. That's what this is about. He's afraid he's going to lose, and he wants that vote. There's an element of that for sure, um, because the Biden administration is feckless, word of the day, feckless. I've said this many times. Joe Biden is a man for no seasons. Remember the movie A Man for All that. Seasons? I love that. Thomas More. Yes. Okay. I Thomas More had principles, and he was executed by Henry VIII because he had principles. <laughs> Joe Biden's a man for no seasons. He has no principles. Once he was pro-life, okay, now he's not. Once he was for guns, now he's not. Once he was a tough guy on crime, now he's not. <laughs> I mean, once, 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 once he actually called black people predators, now he's okay uh, he with BLM riots. Yeah. He was hanging with the Klan guys in yeah. the Senate. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. was buddies. Right. Buddies and don't, be, and, and don't forget, he was also a guy just like Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, and others that 15 years ago was all about securing the border. Now he's no, not. Sure. Yeah. sure. Look, every single issue, the guy has flopped on it because he wants power. And Jill Biden is like that, too, by the way. Jill gets a pass. Jill, boy, behind the scenes, that woman's <laughs> calling a lot of shots. Totally agree. And so, you know, nobody should be surprised by this. As far as the younger people, 18 to 24, I mean, I don't take a poll about them seriously, Sid, and neither should you. They don't hate Jews. Or they they want to smoke pot. I mean, they don't. They just, they, remember when you were eighteen to twenty four? I yeah. remember when I was. Yeah, I was horrifying. Don't ask me anything, okay? Yeah, yeah. This, this is a, this is a group that really doesn't know anything. Oh, I agree. But that's so. But that's still they dangerous. They're still dangerous. Because tonight, I, I, I hope you watch the No Spin News tonight. Okay. 
because on this topic, I have Bernie Goldberg, one of the best reporters in the country. Love him. For, for decades on CBS. Yeah, I used him on a factor. I used him on No Spin News. And he, by the way, by know, the way, he, he was also great on Real Sports with Brian Gumbel. Yes, great. right. But he ran into trouble there because HBO is so far left. Right. Um, but I want to know from Bernie, uh, have you experienced anti-Semitism in, in all of your life and your travels and everything? Bernie Goldberg? I mean, yeah, let's <laughs> see. And then coming up right behind him, and Bernie's going to talk personal. I got Bishop Robert Barron, the most eloquent yes, yes. Catholic speaker in the country. Yep. Great show. Okay? Yep. And I want him to deal with anti-Semitism from the Christian point of view. So that's what's going on on BillOReilly.com, No Spin News tonight. But I, I do believe, and I'm in a minority right now, I don't believe most Americans are anti-Semitic. I don't. And um, I've been to every state, every major city. You know me. I'm, I'm all over the place. Yes. I know this country as well as any human being that lives in it. I know every part of this country. And I don't think most people are haters. I don't think they, they hate Jews or blacks. This is fabricated to divide by the progressive movement. But the reality is that now Jews are suffering. That's so right. Good, good people have to rise up in defense of American Jews and Israel. They have to. You can't just sit it out. You know, your point is right. You're a thousand percent right. There are not more anti-Semites than people who respect the Jews. You're right. But when you talk about the divide, it goes back to what you've been complaining about for years with me and Bernard and your, on your own which is the media, and that's oh. all you see. So when you say oh. you don't believe the college campuses hate the Jews, well, I got news for you, Bill. Claudine Gay is still working at Harvard, and Kornbluth is still working at MIT, and the lady that stepped down at Pennsylvania is still getting paid. What is the message? The message is you can hate on Jews. You can defend Hamas. You're not even going to get fired. Well, that's absolutely right. Number one, the media focus is always on strife. So if there's a, a campus organization that brings together Jews, Christians, and atheists or whatever, they're not going to get any coverage at all. You're never going to hear about them. The second thing is that the DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, protects its own. So these college presidents, these are champions of DEI. And so when they get into trouble, because that is a fallacious movement, okay, it's, it's a destructive to our country movement, DEI, then they get protected by other DEI people who put them there in the first place. You know, it, it's, it, this is a cycle, and we're in a down cycle now, and you, were at, you pinpointed it. Rosenberg pinpointed it. It's the media coverage that drives the perception. And the media only covers the anti-Semitic stuff. That's what it's covering. Well, I got to tell you, <laughs> right now, we'll wrap up this uh, great conversation. It's always amazing with you, Bill, always amazing. We'll wrap it up with Trump. I mean, just another great week for Trump. Poll numbers. Uh, Biden continues to... Do real dismal now with seven swing states 
going into Trump's direction. Even the media this morning, they were trying to sell that Nikki Haley is gaining on Donald Trump in New Hampshire. How ridiculous is this primary conversation at this point? I mean, I know they hate Trump. They'd rather have Haley than Trump. But but come on, Bill. This is off the CBS poll. Uh, I'm going to deal with that tonight uh, also. Haley is making strides in New Hampshire as Ramaswamy destructs. She takes Ramaswamy votes. Um, and Christie is done. They're all done. But here's the interesting part. For between now and January 2nd, nothing's going to happen. All right? This is like we're like France now. Everybody just goes on vacation. Even, even though we have to work a few days this week, right. nobody's really working. Everybody's, right. you know, they're planning. Yeah. But DeSantis is going to have to drop out when he gets waxed in Iowa, which he will. So that's number one. He's through. All right. Haley is hanging tough and she's got money so she can hang on. She's going to get waxed in Iowa, too, but she'll do better in New Hampshire. New Hampshire is not a friendly state to Trump. And the reason is that the Boston media, which loathes Trump, extends into New Hampshire. The folks live in southern New Hampshire, Manchester, these towns, they get Boston media. They get the Boston Globe. That, that's what they get. They don't have their own media up there. It's too small a state. So New Hampshire's never been friendly. He'll win the New Hampshire primary. Trump will win there. But Haley will do well there. What will that mean, though? <laughs> Nothing. doesn't mean anything. Right. I just... Trump's got the nomination locked down unless the Supreme Court turns on him. And that I don't think is going to happen. You know, Trump's strongest part of his administration was the appointment of the Supreme Court justices who are traditional Americans who want to uphold the Constitution. Right. So there are now five of them on the Supreme Court. Roberts is conservative, but Roberts can do anything. He's the uh, chief justice of the Supreme Court. You can't count on him anywhere. But you got you got five people in there in the Supreme Court who know what this is. They know that the uh, primary motive against Donald Trump is not enforcement of the law. It's take him off the map. And he put three of those right there. And he put three of those right there. Gorsuch, Amy Coney Barrett, and Kavanaugh. One more in the final two minutes. What do you think about uh, Gavin Wax and the New York Republican Club? That's who I was with two weeks ago when I was hanging out with Trump on that Saturday night at Cipriani's. Now talking about bringing Trump to the South Bronx because Donald Trump really thinks he can win New York. Your thoughts? Well, he can't win New York, so <clears throat> that's okay. They can bring him wherever they want to bring him. Jimmy Carter went to the South Bronx, remember? <laughs> remember that? Were you? No, you were no, little. I, didn't. I was only 12. <laughs> okay. So I didn't cover it because I was too young, too, but I remember it. And Jimmy went to the South Bronx, and he said, I'm going to clean this up. And he didn't, of course. Um, you can clean the South Bronx up, but you can only do it with martial law. You'd have to go in and you'd have to suspend uh, all kinds of uh, rights to clean that place up because now it's run by criminal gangs. Yep. Criminal gangs run the South Bronx. That's it. Yep. So you can pour billions and billions. Trump's not going there. And he's not. And he's not going to win New, New York. You know me. I'm gonna, I call it like it is. He's just not. The, the machine in New York, the Democratic machine, is far too powerful. They mobilize minorities. The minorities, Trump's been demonized there. 
Um, and so he's not. And I, don't, I wouldn't waste my time if I were him, to tell you the truth. Yeah, hard to argue that. Idiots here. Uh, except for you. You're brilliant. I love you. Thank you for doing this, not just today, but twice this week. Another great conversation. And tell folks, Bill, with Christmas exactly a week from today, yeah. all the great deals they can get at BillOReilly.com. I hope people go to BillOReilly.com. We, uh, we're saving you a lot of money, and we got the mugs, we got the hats, we got uh, Killing the Witches. All 13 killing books bundled for you in one thing. We send them to you. Oof. Fabulous, fabulous awesome. stuff. And and I just want to make one announcement. I will be starting for the Jets on, uh, on Christmas Eve. All right. I'm better than Simeon. I'm better than he is. I think you are. I, I think am. You are. All right? I am a better quarterback. Now, I know I'll be in traction after the first uh, quarter. Okay? I right. know. Yeah. I know. Look. I mean, you could you could have the Dixie Chicks block better than the Jet line is. It's true. I, those Dixie Chicks are tough. I'm bringing the Dixie Chicks in to play on the offensive line for the New York Jets. That's what I'm doing. Uh, no, they are tough, and that, that offensive line is porous. I mean, Zach Wilson's a terrible player, but he did take an awful beating against I Miami. Thought gonna I thought they were going to behead him. I he was going to be beheaded on the field. He came close. He uh, was concussed. It was like, yeah. oh, my God. Well, by the way, if you get hurt, you'll just join Aaron Rodgers and Zach Wilson on the injured list like the rest of the Jet quarterbacks. So. I have great <laughs> outfits. I could stand there on the sideline. You love my outfits, man. <laughs> Bill, you're the best. I love you, pal. All right, Thank you we'll so talk much. again on Thursday. Thanks I can't for wait. Me. Thank you. Right. The great Bill O'Reilly. He's got a big show tonight, folks. You heard that. BillOReilly.com. No spin news. Make sure you check that out. That wraps up hour number three. Big hour number four about to come your way. Alex Trayman live in Jerusalem. The hostages that were released are telling the authorities in Israel, do not go into those tunnels. Why would they say that? Jacqueline Toborov and Alex Trayman coming up. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. for you again this morning. We've been paying tribute all morning long to Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones. Keith, 80 years old today. Happy birthday to Keith Richards of Stones. Let's go back to Miami. We had uh, Siggy Flicker on earlier from Boca, which Lowry was supposed to join us from Miami, but he went to the Dolphin Jet game, went out last night and uh, called out. But Jacqueline Toborov, of course, is the proud author of Super Moms Activated, a great book, great book. She was introduced to promote that book a couple of months ago. She uh, ran for city council here in New York and uh, is one of the smartest people you'll ever meet. Jacqueline, good morning. How are you? I am obsessed with you. I'm so happy to be on. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you. I'm obsessed with you, too. And your brother, who I saw uh, one time oh at the studio. God, he loves you, too. Yeah. You know, I was walking into uh, Casa Cipriani a couple of weeks ago, and there's your brother. How about that? Uh, 
he told me, he's like, Sid is the nicest guy. I said, I know he's the nicest guy. He said, he looks like he's going to kill someone, but he's the nicest guy ever. <laughs> That's great. Now, he's a super guy. He's got that great game, and um, he's a very smart guy, your brother, Aww. like you are. So give him my best. Nice. So there's a bunch of things we got to get to this morning. I guess... I guess we can start with this, uh, with the education. You're great with that. You've got your, your children and you're always uh, yelling and screaming about the issues here in New York, starting with the mayor, the DOE and all of it. This, uh, the governor, Kathy Hochul now, ready, willing and able to give tenure to these, uh, these teachers. Tell us what the issue is with that. These are just the worst people. So basically, there is a bill on Kathy Hochul's desk. It's it's tenure for all, and she is either going to sign or veto it. And what it will do is it will gut the ability of school superintendents, mayors, and other local officials to discipline public employees. Now, what does this mean? Well, if a teacher molests or sexually assaults a student, too bad that teacher has tenure. And this is going to trickle down to bus drivers, to school aides, to administrators. You will not be able to get rid of these people. It gets even worse. They're going to hire uh, this group of people. It's going to be, and let me get the exact name, an independent hearing officer. Can you imagine this DEI woke New group, this expansion of unelected bureaucrats, and they are going to be proceeding over uh, these disciplinary hearings. It's going to be a total mess. Wow. Uh, that's schools. And then we can take uh, kind of the same theme here, Jacqueline, again, according to you, and you do your homework because you were at this uh, level two meeting just a week ago. And we could apply this to landlords, too, talking about, you know, teachers who will have tenure no matter what they've done in their background. Now it turns out the New York City Council, I guess, wants to pass a bill, a law, which would uh, not allow landlords to check into potential renters' backgrounds. You could be renting to a murderer or a rapist. There's nothing they can do about it. Is that true, too? This is true. So I was there. Actually, when I was there, it was a couple of months, more than a couple of months ago, and they had a level two sex offender as their star witness come out in support of this bill. Yeah, no, you know what? Um, basically, they have amended it. It's going to reflect the Clean Slate Act. And what people should do, it's going to pass, by the way, but what people should do is call up their New York City Council representative and say, because it's going to be heard on Wednesday, it will be voted on this Wednesday, they should say, we do not want this. We want you to vote no to intro 632, as well as intro 8, uh, sorry, as well as intro 583, which is sponsored by Jemaine Williams to reduce unnecessary incarceration. Yeah, I think it was, uh, I think Jen Harrison, I think you know Jen, she's uh, yeah. Victims' Rights. She came on a couple of weeks ago when Hochul signed the Clean Slate Act and was celebrating like she just saved America. But it turns out, of course, it's one of the worst things you could ever sign. I know. You have to wonder if they are legitimately trying to kill us. I mean, these bills are so <laughs> terrible. And, I mean, can you imagine living next door to a rapist, to a murderer, um, you know, and, and these poor landlords. I mean, this is the most anti-small business administration ever. You know, you're down in uh, Miami right now, and I lived in Boca Raton for 16 years. And I'm not going to lie, I miss New York, and that's why I came back, given the job opportunity to work at WABC. I was back at Kennedy Airport the next day. 
Now I'm back almost eight years. I'm looking to go back to Florida, but uh, no, no, but on a serious note, I mean, I, there were no issues down there. I mean, yeah, they got issues, you know, crime and stuff, but nothing like this. I mean, New York City, it's such a mess. You know, the mayor going on and on about money from the federal government for a migrant crisis that he helped cause. The crime is out of control. The Bronx is disgusting. I don't care what, what Richie Torres says. He's a moron. You know, you just, the school system here is, is horrendous. I thought the schools were better in New York. I took my kids out of Boca. Not even close. It's horrendous here, the public schools. I'm just trying to figure out exactly why, outside the fact you've got two of every sports team and the restaurants stay open late at night. You're in Florida right now. What makes New York so great? Please don't depress me. I'm trying to figure it out. I feel like I have time traveled. There is no litter. I haven't seen one hypodermic needle. No. There is no homeless. No, nope. there are no homeless. Um, the people are kind, nice. Things are left unlocked. Um, it's it's a functioning society. We have been destroyed. New York City and New York State has been destroyed by not the the leaders, but by the voters who who vote in these people who are transparent with what they want to do. Look, Mayor Adams campaigned on allowing non-citizens to vote. He is only upset that he has not gotten federal bailout money. He loves this illegal situation. He loves it. So does Kathy Hochul, by the way. He could stop it today. He doesn't have to get any help from the federal government. He could stop it today. You know, you uh, you talked to me, too, on a text, maybe yesterday, maybe today, I forget, about that summer of love, you know, 2020 BLM, after the murder of George Floyd and what we saw, not just here in New York, but every major city across America. And uh, I'm sick of hearing myself talk, but I've made the point time and time again, that was the real insurrection, right? burning down a police station in Minneapolis, spitting on cops, hitting cops, beating up innocent people in the streets, people taking guns to the streets of Wisconsin. That was a real insurrection. January 6th, not even close to the actual definition of insurrection. But let's move beyond that. So now you get the BLM summer of 2020. Now you've got the fall of 2023, and the new gig is I'm pro-Palestinian. Like, I'm some Jewish kid from New Jersey, but I'm going to buy myself one of those schmatis that the Palestinians wear and march like I did three summers ago with BLM and act like I give a rat's ass. It's the same nonsense over and over again. It's the media. It's the Democrats. Some of them do hate Jews, but it ain't our side that's causing all this ruckus, is it? No. So listen, it is not our side, but it is our side's fault that they did not demand reparations for BLM. That would have put in the box every single problem we have had post-BLM. You know what? Every single politician and business that aided these BLM terrorists should have to pay reparations, as well as BLM. They owe every single person in America money, restitution, and we should demand it. Now, look, Hamas, uh, sympathizers, these uh, these people, they're BLM on steroids. They are terrorizing America. They are terrorizing Democrat enclaves. And that is because people like Adams and Hochul have given them free reign. They've hijacked bridges, federal buildings, uh, courthouses, schools. I mean, look at Hillcrest. It's like a Hamas outpost, for Christ's sakes. It really is. So, <laughs> it's funny. So, uh, <laughs> when are you coming back to New York from this paradise known as Miami. <laughs> By the way, do not be jealous. I came here. It was a storm. Um, I think it was a 
hurricane. I thought I saw a tsunami in the Atlantic <laughs> Ocean, and I'm now afraid to go swimming. I, no, it, it's also, by the way, freezing here. It's like 72 degrees, and freezing. I did yeah. not bring it. Freezing. 72. It's yeah. Miami. Yeah, no, we actually have that weather up here now, and I know that because my friend Doug, who works at the station, went down to Key West for the week, and he sent me videos on Saturday. He was basically being blown into the water. So I know you guys had some rough weather, but it'll be sunny in 72, 73 before you know it. Like you said, don't have to worry about walking down the street. There's no litter. There's no you know, There's duty. There's no Hamas riders. Right, exactly, right, exactly. So for as much as I, I'm a Trump guy and I've had enough of Ron DeSantis and he'll be done once Trump kicks his ass in Iowa, I do appreciate what Ron DeSantis has done for the state of Florida. He's not ready to run the country. That's Trump's gig, but he did do a very good job down in Florida. He has been doing a very good job. I totally agree. I love DeSantis. Please just stay doing what you're doing and let Trump take the reign. Right. Come on. We need, we need DeSantis keeping Florida great. We can't lose Florida. <laughs> I know that. So tell us in the, in the final 30 to 60 seconds, you were in here once before talking about Supermom's Activator. It is a great book. Tell the listeners what they're going to read when they buy that book today. Okay, so please go to Amazon, get yourself a copy of Supermoms Activated, 12 Profiles of Hero Moms, leading the American revival. It tells you how we got here, why we got here, what the hell is coming. It's going to get a lot worse, how you can protect your family, and big and small steps to get politically activated. It is the blueprint from Supermoms. And you can find me on Instagram at Jacqueline for NYC. That is J-A-C-Q-U-E-L-I-N-E-F-O-R-N-Y-C or on X. Can I say X or Twitter? Sure. At J-A-C-Q-U-E-T-N-Y-C. All right. I know you run uh, once before for the council. I would uh, hope you're going to run again because we need good people like you in government Aww. here in New York. If this city's ever going to be saved, and I do, I'm not even sure it could be saved. I really mean that. I, I don't think it can I be. Uh, but if it's going to be saved, we do need people like you. Enjoy Miami. You're great. I love you. We'll see you when you get back to New Aww. York City. Love you too. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. That's Jacqueline Toberoff right here on Sitting Friends in the Morning. Check out her book. It is Supermoms Activated. All right, before we get to uh, Alex Trayman live in Israel, he's going to tell us why the hostages that have come home are actually telling the powers that be in Israel, don't send our troops into the tunnels. Don't do it. We're going to find out what they know and why. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Come back again. I want you to stay next time Oh, sometimes the world ain't kind When people get lost like you and me I just made a friend A friend is someone you need had to go away I still feel the words that he might say
Gonna take a ride across the moon, you and me. E.T., Neil Diamond, turn on your heart life. And go see that Neil Diamond play on Broadway. Cheryl Marie, one of uh, our favorite listeners, we love Cheryl, former cop, telling me that happy heavenly birthday today to the great Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta would have been 69 years old today, but he'd be dead. Henry Hill. Ray Liotta, love Ray Liotta. Today would have been his 69th birthday. All right, we're going to take a short break because we're going to go talk to uh, Alex Trayman in Jerusalem, get the latest about the hostages. Lloyd Austin, he's there right now, that moron, trying to uh, tell the Israelis what to and not to do in their effort to wipe out Hamas. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. A little more Rolling Stones for you, celebrating Keith Richards' 80th birthday. According to Sean Marie, it's also his 40th wedding anniversary to Patty. Got about seven minutes. Want to go to Israel, talk to my man Alex Trayman, who I believe, I've said this a bunch of times before, JNS in Jerusalem deserves uh, some award, Emmy or something, for his continuing coverage since October the 7th of this uh, tragedy that took place in Israel. He's been that amazing. Alex, uh, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, Sid. How are you? Actually, I should say good afternoon. It's closer to uh, 4 o'clock, I guess, where you are. But I tell you, I had to call you because I was struck. The hostages that were let go in big numbers have been very public in telling the uh, powers that be in Israel, don't go into those tunnels looking for Hamas, that they're not going to survive. Don't go into the tunnels. I know you heard that. I was I was kind of shocked hearing that, No. Well, the tunnels are, are highly booby-trapped. I mean, this is what Hamas wanted from the beginning. They were going to take hostages, uh, hide them in booby-trapped areas, and hope that the soldiers would come in, and then they would be able to kill soldiers. And the more soldiers that they kill, uh, the more that would tug on the heartstrings of all the Israelis that have loved ones fighting on the front lines in Gaza and would probably push against the country to stop uh, the ground incursions. That's what they wanted, and... Uh, but you know what? It's not stopping the IDF. They're going inside the tunnels, and we actually have lost soldiers uh, that way, and we'll do whatever we can to get the to get the hostages back. And sometimes it works out, as we've seen, and sometimes it uh, has tragic ending, as we've seen as well. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, though, that one day last week where we lost uh, nine or ten of our beautiful young men on the same day in the same explosion, I believe that was a house in Gaza, not the tunnels, right? Uh, yeah, it was it was a booby trapped uh, zone, and, and they came on they came under fire, and there was an explosion also, like an IED improvised explosive device, uh, and that that's what they've tried to do. We, the IDF has been really uh, very methodical and efficient in being able to avoid uh, ambushes until now. The fact that uh, Israel's only lost about 120 soldiers uh, compared to what they claim is killing over 7,000 Hamas terrorists. I mean, the numbers are are very much in their favor. But, you know, this is the only army in the world where you actually count the numbers of soldiers that you lost. And and we're getting to the point now where just about every Israeli family uh, knows somebody who was killed or injured in the fighting. 
Jeez. And they say, uh, you know, we're saying we killed about 7,000 of their soldiers, soldiers, of their animals, the terrorists. Uh, the Palestinians, Hamas is claiming over 20,000 have died because Israel keeps bombing and shooting their babies and their women. And now you've got Joe Biden, this president, this backstabber, coming out a couple of days ago and yelling at Netanyahu about indiscriminate bombing. Now you've got this fool, Lloyd Austin, in Israel today trying to ask Israel, give me, define what exactly the end of the war means. I mean, the United States really sticking their heads into this battle and clearly at this point, clearly not being there for Israel. Are the folks there in Israel angry yet? I really want Jews in the, in the in America and in Israel to get angry because the truth is Joe Biden, whether it's when he was with Barack Obama or his own administration, is not a friend of the Jews. That's a fact. Yeah, you know, I think that here in Israel there's a mixed response. I don't think that everybody in Israel really understands uh, the dynamic in America. And, you know, people here are fighting the war and they see – you know, a U.S. president coming to the region. They see the secretary of state. They see the, the secretary of defense coming, the national security advisor, the head of the Joint Chiefs, who's here right now also. And, and they think that it means uh, wall-to-wall support from the United States. And they're not really privy to all the, the conversations. They're not reading what's being run in the New York Times. They're not reading Thomas Friedman's articles. They don't really see and perceive just how much pressure there actually is. You know, public statements on the one, they are very, very supportive. And then what's happening behind closed doors, which is, you know, pushing Israel very, very hard to, to tie one and two hands behind its back as they continue to fight this war. But it doesn't matter, right? I mean, I, I actually know Lindsey Graham, for example. I'm watching Lindsey Graham on Meet the Press. He's a Republican. And one sentence he says, Israel has to do what they have to do, but Whenever there's a but, Alex, you know that's not good. And the but is there needs to be some type of two-state solution. And I've been yelling about this since 6 o'clock this morning. No, no, we've tried that, right? And how many wars did the Palestinians start? Before Hamas, they were named something else. But they've always been Palestinians. How many wars did the Palestinians start? And the Intifadas and all this nonsense in decade after decade after decade, blowing up Jews in sparrows on buses, killing them in the streets. At what point are we allowed to say, no, they don't want a two-state solution, either do we? At what point? If you would have asked anybody living in Israel, whether they were Israeli or Palestinian, on October 6th, what would be the chances of a two-state solution occurring anytime in the near future? They would all tell you that there's no chance that uh, what's going to happen in the near future is, is a two-state solution. And so the very idea that Hamas could carry out the worst terrorist attack in the history of the state of Israel, one of the worst terror attacks in the history of the free world, and that the result of that attack would be that the Palestinians, the perpetrators, would get a state. Uh, you know, I think this is the biggest, biggest divide between uh, Israel and America right now. I think most Americans think that the only way to, out of this conflict is a two-state solution. I don't know one Israeli from right to left, religious or secular, that thinks that the natural outcome of this crisis can possibly be a Palestinian state. I'm one of those. I don't believe it either. So if there's no Palestinian state, and let's face it, nobody else wants them, they've had ample opportunity to go to Egypt. They said, no. They could have gone to Jordan. They said, nope, all these wonderful Palestinians who America is so worried about, these fine people, nobody else wanted them. But we're supposed to take care of them. So if we don't do that, is it fair to say then that Israel will just kill 
in their attempt to destroy Hamas. Whoever gets in the way, what happens to the people that are left at that point? If there's no two-state solution, what happens? Well, I want—I mean, it needs to be very clear. Israel's not doing whatever it can to kill whoever's in the way. Israel, even today, released you know video footage showing how it's aborted attacks because it was believed that there were civilians or at least unidentified uh, individuals you know, around those areas. So Israel's not just indiscriminately killing as Biden. No, 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 wait, they're not, they're not, uh, we we know they're not doing that. Biden's a piece of garbage. We know that. But, but let's be honest, innocents, if they are innocent, again, I'm, I'm not sure if we're teaching a second grader to kill how innocent they are, but if they are innocents, they're going to die. They're in a war zone. Israel is trying to wipe out the, the largest, most dangerous terrorist group in the world. So there will be innocent people dying. So once we're past all that, no matter how many die, and they wipe out Hamas, if they're able to do that, what do you do with the Palestinians that are left? What do you want them? Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the, the thing that you don't do is you don't leave the area. And I know that everybody wants the IDF to leave Gaza Strip. after The IDF is not leaving Gaza after this because if they leave, that creates a vacuum. And we, are, we know how vacuums get filled here in the Middle East. So the IDF is not going anywhere. The question of who administers the lives of the Palestinians you know, that's up to debate right now. The United States is saying that the Palestinian Authority should run Gaza. The Palestinian Authority was given Gaza in 2005 when Israel left. And just a year later, the Gaza residents voted in Hamas in, in the West Bank, where the Palestinian Authority is still in power. The reason why Mahmoud Abbas, the, the chairman of the Palestinian Authority, doesn't hold elections for his own post is because he's afraid that Hamas will win those elections. You hear talks of reconciliations between Fatah, which is Mahmoud Abbas's party, and Hamas uh, in the aftermath of this war. So you're definitely not going to turn it over to the Palestinian Authority either. Benjamin Netanyahu has been very, very clear about that. Who do you hand it over to? You can't hand it over to the international community. You know, in 2006, uh, there was war between Israel and Lebanon. A ceasefire was declared. And this uh, useless organization, UNIFIL, part of the United Nations, their role was to make sure that southern Lebanon didn't become a militarized zone filled by Hezbollah. But that's exactly what happened. Uh, so, you know, the U.N. can't do it. Uh, the Palestinian Authority can't do it. There's a question as to whether some of the, the Arab states that have normalized relations with Israel, like the U- United Arab Emirates, could have some kind of a role. But I think that uh, really Israel's going to have to figure out you know, who does administer. And, and while nobody wants to hear that it that it's going to be Israel, including Israelis who don't want it to be Israel either. Uh, that might just be what winds up happening uh, in lieu of a better a better alternative. Alex, you're amazing, buddy. Thank you once again. Great appearance. I mean, really great. Stay safe and keep coming back, buddy. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Sid. That's Alex Trayman. We got to go. Lou Rafino, amazing job today. Justin Ellick. And, of course, Noam Layden. Happy birthday to Keith Richards. Happy, happy, I should say, heavenly birthday to Ray Liotta. Four shows to go, folks. That's it. Four more for 2023. See you tomorrow at 6. Peace.